Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Thank you for joining us. This is Season 18, Episode 4 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Stork. And I'm Proby Tim. And uh, Kimmy will be along shortly. She's stuck in traffic. Traffic is balls. I guess. It Again, is, it is Friday night. And uh, holiday. Oh, that's, that's right. It it's, is. It, that's Veterans right. Day. It is One of those holidays that not everybody <clears throat> celebrates or has off, but some, <clears throat> enough people do that it right. fucks up the traffic in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. So, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and thank you to our veterans for your service. Abs- and yes. I hope you're having a indeed grand Veterans Day. Uh, in this episode of oh, for, well, hold on. In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Icewall42 writes in for advice on putting together a homegrown setting for RPGs. Jeb, not Jib, uh, f- uh, from It's All on the Reflexes, I believe is the name of the podcast. Does that sound right? I think It's All on the Reflexes. Which is a quote from um, Yes. Big Trouble Little China. Which tells me that, that it is the, the correct name of the show. Writes in with a real life social <laughs> combat nightmare. Jonas Larson asks about fact sheets. Did we talk about that already? Uh, we talked to Jonas Larson, but I'm not about sure about okay. fact sheets. Uh, Michael from SD asks about character creation. Weasel Creature asks about kids and D&D. And Kenigma writes in with a Jack Chick obituary of sorts. Oh, Ooh. Jack Chick. Yeah. Really? I, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> Okay, that, that guy gave rise to Dark Dungeons, which yeah. is one of the best <laughs> but, comics in the world. I'll say I'll, I'll say what I put on Twitter. <laughs> I'm just glad he got he got to live to see Dark Dungeons put on and made into a feature length film. Yes, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, um, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail It's happyjacksrpg at gmail We're on the tweeters. <clears throat> Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And if you look for Happy Jacks RPG, you'll find us on all of those places. If you'd like to watch the show live, we do it on Saturday mornings or on su- on Friday evenings, like yeah. like now at eight p.m. Pacific time on Fridays, and we usually do it around ten or ten thirty on uh, Saturday mornings. If you'd like to join us, you can go to happyjacks.org/live. And and you can watch the show there. We have the Twitch chat room already embedded, I believe. And you can watch the stream there. Or you can go to happyjacks.org slash Twitch or happyjacks.org slash YouTube, depending on whether you like Amazon or Google. Oh, you want to try something? Here. Oh, I have one, but there's a third glass here, which I right. assume is for store. It's all right for now. I'm, I've still got okay. some. Okay. Well, here, no, give, oh, we, you're going to want some. At least fill it up. Yeah. It's just really little. strong. Yeah, yeah, just a little. Here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a store amount. Oh, whoa. Oh, oh whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, stuff. I guess it wanted a little. There's a little for you. If you wait a while, that <laughs> will be a little. Trying to fuck around anywhere that gets you. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if you want to watch the live stream, you can do it on those those specific times. I just wanted to mention briefly, I went and saw Doctor Strange. Yeah? I saw what you posted about that, and I am offended, good sir. I really liked the character. I liked the character's arc. Mm-hmm. I thought Benedict Cumberpatch was really good in the role. Cumberpatch? Isn't that his name? Cumberbatch. Cumber, whatever. Uh, don't correct me. Engelbert <laughs> <laughs> uh, Humberding. A couple and, uh, times his, his American accent almost became John Wayne-ish. Kind of, yeah. I did, a couple I did times pick that up as well. Little, it, but other than that, but I thought he was, I thought he was great. In all the trailers, he reminds me of um, another English guy doing an American accent house. You know, which, which oh, is, is oh, almost that's, uh, yeah, what's Hugh Laurie. It's almost Hugh Laurie, a little yeah. too much chewing. Right. And he's always sort of... Uh, 
But I like I love the characters, and I like the fact that he starts out as a really despicable human being. He's just hateful. And and then and and it, watch the character arc kind of <clears throat> progress as it goes on. That stuff was cool. The sort of mythos about magic and stuff mm-hmm. I thought was really neat. But if I have to watch one more CGI scene of a bunch of people wire fooing around f- folding buildings, I almost walked out. Yeah, I got I literally <clears throat> during the action scenes I got bored. Okay. I'm just going to say, Doctor Strange, favorite. Okay, always. Been I can my see. I can see. I can see why because I thought it was. A, he's. A, I think he's a really engaging character. There's, I just wish they'd edited the movie more. There, there's no way you could do a Doctor Strange cartoon today without uh, cartoon, movie, live action, right? Movie, live action movie without, without CGI. CGI. There's just no way. Oh, the, I, the the alternate dimensions he goes through. The, I agree. The shit that he pulls off. The stuff that he pulls off, you have to. You have to. It's the same problem I had with the second Avengers movie. Is these big, long fight scenes with a which, thousand robots. Which one was the second? Age of Ultron. Oh, I love that one, too. Well, I like... <laughs> I, 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 there again. Can you I, tell me what the plot was? Yeah, there's the problem. Uh, it was... They had to fight off a whole bunch of CGI robots. Yeah. I mean, that was, Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, but there was, like, really good character development and interplay... It's brief, yeah, but it's there, yeah. You know, and you already knew the characters and cared about them from the previous film, right? But, but the thing is, I got I, during those fight scenes, especially after like the second or third one, I'm like, you know what, I'm getting bored, and I almost, I was like taking my phone out during Doctor Strange, going, you, you were that guy, huh? <sighs> oh, no, not, see? no, not playing with it, looking to see what time it was, mm. to see how much more of the film is left because it's two hours five minutes, and I thought. You know, if you if they strung out an hour's worth of story into two hours is what they did, and I, but I, if you could cut down the fight scenes and made them shorter, if you didn't have like D and D length fight scenes, if instead you had like traveler length fight scenes, <laughs> I would have I would say that was a fantastic move. I also CGI think by Marvel. I also combat think not, by TSR. <laughs> I also think you're not quite the demographic for it. I think oh, you're yeah, really targeted yeah. at twenty year olds. Well, well. First off, I don't think it's targeted at anyone because the theater was empty. Was it? Uh, they, they had it in the. It was outside at the ArcLight, and it was in one of the big, huge theaters that probably seats I don't know three or four hundred people. Yeah. And there was like eight people in the theater, and it I was, and I was, saw it on. It was on a weeknight, yeah. but it was like the seven p.m. showing, mm. and it's only been out what? At that point, this was on Wednesday, so it's been out five days, six days. It was gangbuster on openings weekend, from right. my understanding. I went and saw it on. Tuesday uh-huh. at 3 in the afternoon at Downtown Disney. And for a long time, I thought I was going to be the only person in the theater, which made me happy. Right. One of the reasons I don't go see movies in the theaters a lot is because I hate everyone else who comes in and sits down around me. If someone had their phone on, <clears> like, <throat> instead of having it on, like, vibrate, they had it on flash. So, like, there was... so And happened to be sitting in my row, so it was, it was right out of right, my peripheral vision. I would see, like, this... Bum, 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 bum. You're like, what? Right, yeah. 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 That's fine. I mean, it wasn't like it's like oh, f- holding buildings. It's Inception with sparklers. <laughs> it just kept happening. Dude, like, you're killing me, man. Well, you know, when I saw the trailer, that's all I could think of, and I I hated Inception, but because I had the same reaction to Inception that you have with Strange. Yeah. Halfway through, I'm like, all right, I get mm. it. All right, question reality and keep beating to death. I got it. I got it. Oh my god, there's an hour and a half left. Right. Oh fuck. Was there, was there one? <laughs> the movie keeps slowing down, down. The deeper oh, they go. Oh my god. <laughs> Was there one or two uh, 
trailer spoiler bits at the credits <laughs> at the end. I didn't watch. I didn't stay. <sighs> I was so tired. <clears throat> as soon as the as soon as the credits started rolling, I got up and left. I didn't even wait to see it. I know there was one because I stayed for the first one. I I think there might have been a second one that I accidentally bailed out on. No idea. No idea. That makes me sad. You can go online and find them. Uh, no, I'm going to have to just go see it again. If oh, they, if right. they did an anti-director's cut of it, I would say <laughs> anti-director. The anti-director's cut where, where it's shorter. <laughs> can we? I, can we actually? Can, can you define what you mean by anti-director's cut? Take out some of the stuff the director wanted to leave in. <laughs> so the studio cut. No, because that's what you saw. I saw the studio cut. Right. Yes, it, it, this would be the. It, it would. This is the step that no one ever sees. It's it's the hypothetical anti-director's cut. Or well, post, yeah. Well, I haven't seen the movie yet, but the whole thing about Doctor Strange really back when the day when it came out was the visuals because Steve Ditko was his yeah. visionary artist. Oh yeah. sure. And when he goes into the astral plane, there was like branches <laughs> and light and stuff. And, and they did that. Oh yeah. Really trying to recreate that. However, we've already seen that for the last twenty years since CGI came out. So as your reaction is probably completely legitimate, which is like I'm watching Inception again. It's another right. dream yes. sequence. Yeah. Oh, great. Well it's not really but, a, it's not a dream but sequence. But they based a lot of that stuff off of the original Doctor Strange comics. So it's a I, shame that it took it this long to catch up. It, 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 and if it wasn't for the fact that there were so many fight scenes and they were so long, yeah. I would have thought it was a fantastic film. So I, I get it. I now, totally I, get it. Boy, I just saw the trailer for Logan. Oh, that looks really cool. Looks too. interesting, doesn't it? Oh, the quiver in his hand. Because I, I, I figured, because I, 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 I was like, you know, this might be the last like Marvel Cinematic Universe movie I want. I, I go to the theater to see because it was like. And then I saw the Logan thing. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I may <laughs> have to see that. Yeah, it's old man Logan, the post-apocalyptic world. You know, that, it, and it, it reminded me of the um, uh, what's the what's the guy that the Poxy Boggards fan who's the who writes comics Warren. What's Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis did an X Men. Mm-hmm. I think I don't remember which one it was. Not Uncanny X Men. It was something else. But he did like an alternate timeline one. Yes. Which is like a post. It's not a. It's not apocalyptic, but I think it's a post like the giant robot dudes take over. And yeah, kill the Sentinels. Him. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's what it is. And uh, and Logan has a bent leg. Yeah, he's all messed up. Yeah, his, and they're wheeling him around the wheelchair. Yeah. 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 How is it? I think I think some of that is in there. Did oh, he what, like lose his mutant healing ability? No, his leg bent because his his the the adamantine coating on his bones. Oh, the adamantine bent. There's only a couple things strong oh, enough I to bend that. To bend stuff. it back. I thought yeah. Magneto fucked him up. It was either it Magneto twisted his bones or into knots and said, "Here, live with that." And then Magneto died, and he can't undo it. And I think it's it's just like one leg. It's yeah. like one leg at the shin is at a right angle out. There's another set where <laughs> where his healing factor actually eventually expels all the adamantium because oh really that's what it okay. does right. I still, if we're going to go off on mutants for a second, I still think that they, that Marvel missed a great opportunity, which was making Wolverine the father of all mutants. Because he is sensibly immortal, they even mentioned that. He gets shot and gets healed. I, I kept thinking that, you know, maybe he gets shot in the head, doesn't remember anything, but he's, he's the father of all the mutants. He's been around for a thousand years. Right. He's the one mutant that can't die because he mm-hmm. keeps getting, right. he keeps healing himself, and eventually he gets some traumatic incident that recalibrates his brain. And he can't remember anything, right? And he's constantly not remembering anything, you know. And yeah, he pro- probably when it, when it hits whatever his massive pain threshold in it, his brain resets. or just or just you know he falls off a cliff and his brain turns into jelly and it heals, but it just goes back, it resets and everything, right. and he has to learn to think again and come up with a new. Who I don't know who I am. Anyway, I think they missed a big opportunity with that, and they end up with Apocalypse, which is boring. 
I'm not apocalypse. Yeah, I, I was. I was never a big fan of the um, the X Men movies at all. Like I didn't like them. This one, have you seen the trailer for this one yet? For Logan, I saw, and I was like, "Wow, that looks really cool." It's like a total left hand turn. Yeah, it is a way because it's. It looks like it's like way in the future, and there's you know it's it's post apocalyptic Wolverine, which right. is a rad idea. And some of the stuff I've read so says that he still has his healing factor. It's just not working as efficiently as it did. Oh, really? Okay. Which is why he's all scarred up. He's got a bit of a palsy, and it just takes him longer to heal, like you do when you get old. Everything sure. takes a little bit longer to heal. Right. And, uh, everything takes a little bit longer. Period. period. <laughs> <laughs> but he's already outlived everybody. I mean, he's made it to a post apocalyptic world. It could be 200 years in the future, and you know, who, who can say? It's going to be an interesting ride, though, I think. And it's going to be, it's a nice cap for that character, and it's also a nice way for Hugh Jackman to say goodbye. Probably better than Harrison Ford's goodbye to Han Solo. And I'm sure, spoilers, I'm pretty sure Hugh Jackman dies in this one. Pretty sure. Sorry, if you were looking at oh, Yeah, man. Uh, hold on a second, I have a... Was that you? Who was that? that, was you? that was him. Wow. So did you guys did you guys see that uh D and D was inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame or whatever that is? No. Yeah? There's D&D's a toy? Yeah, there's some there's some toy I only saw it passing on the news, but since we have a Okay. Oh, Hasbro, I did see I did see Hasbro owns the rights and they probably <clears throat> give out the it awards. Was, for I toys. Mean, it looked like it was like the the beginner box, like the red box. Oh, what I saw was the three. I saw the the new player's handbook and the DMG and the monster man. Oh no, what I saw was like it looked like the old red box. Mm. Yeah, but well, who knows what it is that they actually? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, there's some, evidently some kind of toy hall of fame, like the rock and roll hall of fame, and D and D was inducted into it this year. I'm not buying it. Well, you don't have to. It's kind of free. You yeah. just go look at it. Okay. <laughs> so that was that's kind of cool. That's in gaming. It's legitimate. All right, I'm look. I'm just. I, I forgot about the chat room. Hi, chat room. Thank you for joining us. Hi, chat room. Long time no see. All right, yo. Oh, well, Kimmy's still stuck in traffic, so we're done stalling. No, she's act- well, it, she, the traffic is slow enough that she's actually talking to people in the chat. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, before, we were stalling long enough. It's time to move on. Before we go to the email, does anyone have a <laughs> tip of the week? I have one. Oh, good. I've good, been only on there for a couple of weeks. Uh, GMs, whether your game is Traveler or Vampire or whatever, get a, co- get a copy of your player's player character sheets. Whether you, whether, yeah. you need, you know, whether you need it or not, because I have a feeling that you will. The obvious because reason is do. just to keep them from cheating, but it's also to check up on their spells, to roll initiative maybe when they're when they're not looking or whatever. I mean, just to having that sheet there so that you, like when you're trying to design encounters and stuff uh, on the off times or whatever, you can just go, what's that character? What's his level? What's he? What's his skills? I don't want to, oh yeah, wait, I have all the character sheets. Just get a copy of the character sheets after character creation and maybe keep updating them as they go along, you know, every couple of weeks or months, depending on the length of the campaign. Get an updated character sheet because I think you will find it extremely useful. And just like Stu, just keep it on the hard drive and then you can just access it. I used to have my players leave their character sheets with me after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know and I, when we played um, the Traveler game, uh, Bill's Traveler game, we played one one session at the con. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. I think you were there. And that's the one that didn't get recorded because right. the, the record the portable recorder wasn't working. Something was wrong with it. Uh, but I did not remember to bring my character sheet, and I had to go through a bunch of emails. And back and forth, and like I found like my notes from making my character during the process, and I had to go through and kind of recreate it 
so I could play the game. But Bill had a copy of it. That's the other thing. Is yeah, and maybe make sure that you put a copy of it on a Dropbox, right? Something. Yeah, email it to yourself or a something. PDF so copy, you can at least yeah. get it on a phone. Or have the players do it for you, yeah. so that it's just there. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll find it more useful. You're going to sit around and go, "Why have I never asked for my players' character sheets before?" This just solves so many things. I mean, d- encounter design comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu, you you require it, I think. Now it's like, give me give me your characters. I like to ha- I like to have them because I I like to see what you put. Well, for traveler, you know, you have no choice what you put skill with right. in your skills. But I like to look and see what kind of skills the p- players put points in, so I can see what they're anticipating using, yep. so we can kind of mesh together and harmonize the player expectations and the GM intentions. The encounter design. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So there you not go. just encounter design, but the whole story. I, and, no, yeah. I agree because you know, yeah, I think you're on on record as saying you don't actually really go into the nuts and bolts of an encounter until you see what characters people bring to the. Table. I used to, but I stopped doing that. Really, I, I actually, it was ta- Tappy that had suggested. He says I, I, I wouldn't do that until I saw the characters anyway. And I'm like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, there you uh, go. That's your tip. That there's a tip. Yay! Just the tip. <laughs> All right. Advice for putting together a homegrown RPG setting from Icewall42. Hello, panelists of DoucheCon. Which is something we actually need to start now. DoucheCon? DoucheCon. That needs to be a thing. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You get right on that, because the rest of us don't have any free time. Listening to Happy Jacks is the best part of our otherwise obnoxious commute. That's why I keep doing a long show. People say, oh, do a shorter show. It should only be 15 or 20 minutes. Get to the point, blah, 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 blah. Those people don't have commutes. Obviously. No, yeah. not at all. Those are the people that listen to podcasts <laughs> at like 1.5 speed. Right. <laughs> it takes them a week to get through one podcast because they only have like a 15-minute commute. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is built for you, which has an hour and a half commute every day. Right. Well, an hour. Uh, <clears throat> I'm working. Sorry for correcting you. I'm working on a couple of novels. No, you're not. (laughs) Uh, uh, That said, I have some questions about writing a homegrown RPG campaign setting, a little backstory. I'm working on a couple of novels that have a fair amount of world building involved. At first, I wrote and organized this information into appendices to help me keep straight character profiles, histories, technologies, timelines, etc. Soon enough, I had... Appendix A through O. Oh, my. Oh, wow. my. Why not put this information to some use in an RPG campaign setting? Not only do I scratch the creative book designing itch and make myself a reference, I can entice friends to suffer through a couple of playtests, see what works, what doesn't, or what part of my universe are lacking development. Right now, it's system agnostic, though it would probably work best with Savage Worlds or Traveler mechanics. Uh, it's science fiction with some fantasy elements, so there might be other systems it would mesh well with. I'm a newbie to the RPG hobby. Though I've been a listener to Happy Jacks for many months, I've played in a few campaigns, but this setting will probably be my first attempt at GMing. You know what? Kudos to you, sir. Kudos well to you. You're new to this. Well and that's, yes, uh, go. I forgot to switch <clears> the camera <throat> back. Uh, here's my question. The content I have is heavy with story and novel spoilers. The GM will need the information, but how should I present it? Should I put all the information into one book with a GM-only material clearly marked off? 
consolidated at the back of the book or placed throughout in relevant relevant sections? Should I split the book into a book for GMs and a player's manual? Should I include some scenario ideas, and if so, should those be visible to the GM, or should they be visible to the players in case the group wants to choose the storyline they play? Any insights or advice would be much appreciated. Drink Ice Wall on the forums. I'm working on the setting book for Vast Dominions, which is a sort of pulp sci-fi thing for mm -hmm. uh, Moment of Truth. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it in one book, player information in the front, <laughs> GM a title back, page yeah. saying players should not read beyond this section, and then all the, all the specific GM information. So like if an organization is mentioned in the front of the book, There'll be a section in the back of the book that'll say, here's the GM-only information for this organization. They're really like this rather than this front that they say they are, or you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, also, all of the NPCs I put in the back of the book. Yeah. Because yeah. you might know who someone <clears throat> is as a player. You might know who character X is, but you don't know what his stats are. You don't know anything, you, know, you don't, or, or what, what his skill set is. You might have an idea, maybe, but... The GM can always just hand you that information. So stuff like that, all the mechanic stuff, I'd put in the back of the book. In the front of the book, I would I would just put all of your fluff, the, yeah, the, your basic fluff that everyone would know. That's that's the way I would set it up. That's the way I'm setting it up, and I, that at least lets gives the players who are honest the ability to read through the section that they want to read through, and when they see that, they can go, okay, I'm gonna stop. That's what I've seen is is common in industry as well. Mm -hmm. For 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 books of that nature is you have player information in the front, GM information in the back with a big page saying, from here on is GM information. If you're a player, don't read it. My feedback to this, to Icewall42 specifically would be, make sure that if you're... Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, I forgot to move the curtains. Oh, yeah. Make sure that if I you're... I totally didn't know that while I was watching while I was in traffic. <laughs> what, you're watching it You were watching in traffic, too? No, well, I was parked for a large amount of time because they were clearing two accidents. Because somebody had an accident, and then people got in an accident because of the accident. Nobody can hear you, so yeah, oh. Tim, keep talking. And then you oh, so okay, better. yeah. So what I was gonna say is, um, just make sure that you don't try to tell your novel. They're pretty good, huh? Don't try to tell your novel as part of your setting book. If you're going to write the setting book, just make it a standalone setting. Right. That any story can be told in that setting. If you want to make your novel into something that um, other people are going to play, then you're looking more at like an adventure path type thing, which is totally cool. You just need to make sure that you know that that's what you're writing. You know, oh. if you're going to write an adventure path, write an adventure path. But if you're going to write a setting book, write a setting book and let GMs and players come up with their own stories in your setting. I like. I like if he's running in, like for a Savage Worlds kind of thing. I like the way Savage Worlds does it, where they have those like one page adventures in the yeah, back of the book. That's a good idea too. Awesome. Yeah. It's like here's you know here's it, it, and, and uh, that should all be in the GM section. Yeah, because this guy spent so much time world building. Uh, I, which camera's on it? Right. I, I would say uh, steal the layout and the ideas from Masks of the Narahotep. Uh, the the Gumshoe C Cthulhu. Oh no, that's uh, that's Call of Realm, Cthulhu. No, Realms Realms of Cthulhu. No. Yeah, yeah. But Mask, they have a whole Mask of Nyarlathotep is straight up Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, that's that's an adventure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's mm-hmm. the anyway, it's the realms of Cthulhu. Not but, realms, not realms, you, not realms. If you, it's trail, a, it's a trail. It's a big yes. It's a big thick book. And as a player, if you look at it, if you open page one, it's ruined. However, oh no, now you are thinking of Mass and Yes, you're thinking of yes. Masks, okay. which because is a because it, it 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 takes you a lot. It's a long, long way. Well thought out, long journey, and it really is a world in, in and unto itself. He's it, worked out everything. It, it is a campaign length adventure, With and props, and it's spoiled in the first paragraph because yeah. it's the book is designed for the GM. Mm-hmm. It's like here's what's going on, here's what the bad guys are doing. But the players, it's going to take them a dozen and a half sessions to uncover all that information. But the GM needs to know it ahead of time. It's I've a, heard people play that adventure path, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. For a year. Oh, or yeah. More. yeah. Or more. Wow. Yeah. I think it actually says that in the book. It yeah. says it, 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 it can take a year or more. Yeah. To get and, from start to finish. And I think because you've got this much detail, that might be the path you might <laughs> want to do. Because it's, uh, it's really a GM's playground that sounds like you're designing, not necessarily player playground. And that format would work really well for people that just want to like delve themselves into it, get this thing set up, and then lay it out for their players. Yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Uh, you can probably get it fairly inexpensively, and then just steal mercilessly from their Let's layout. See, see how it's, <laughs> see how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Although, oh, you know what? Mm. Old old Call of Cthulhu layout is awful. It is. Oh, it's but horrible. Uh, old you, anything layout yeah. is it's horrible. Have you seen the new Call of Cthulhu books that came out? No, I am dying to get seventh edition. They're very expensive. I know, but they had them at Game Empire. It doesn't look like Call of Cthulhu anymore. Well, oh, really? It's like they went, they went and found a layout artist who knows what he's doing, and, right. or, and a modern layout artist, let's say, and they're gorgeous. Artwork all over the place, four-color cool. artwork, and the layout is fantastic. It's split into two books now. It's the Keeper's... The Keeper's book and the Player's Manual or whatever. It's not a player... Yeah. The investigator's yeah, something. Yeah, they call them Investigators, yeah. <clears throat> that was... Call of Cthulhu was one of my standby systems for... So long. Right. I, I miss playing a, and running it. It's a little clunky. It's yeah. not. It's BRP. It's just different. Yeah. It could be modernized. Streamlined. Could be. It could be. You well, know, okay. Percentile dice come on. Okay, look at look at look at this. I'm just gonna say, look at Call of Cthulhu Seventh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then go pick up the uh, re-release of RuneQuest Second Edition that I have on my shelf. I'll bet you'll find the systems are. Pretty close to being the same. Well, that's burp anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Yeah. Here's the funny thing: Stu's not much for living in the past. No, and, and his past is full of gurps, which which is only yes. just been sort of added to, but hasn't really been f- improved because it was really good when it came out. Yeah. So the rest of us still are hearkening back. We're living in the past. RuneQuest. Ah, remember the glory days yeah. of Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, AD and D. Remember those? Meanwhile, he was like, I was playing gurps. Right. And uh, they just gave me more books. Now I know how to grapple right. <laughs> oh, yeah. GURPS Martial Art. There's a whole chapter yeah. on grappling. There's a whole book on it. There's a whole book on it, yeah. <laughs> GURPS <laughs> Grappling. Oh. There, you know what? There might be one. There might there be one. I don't think it's a whole book. I think it's like one of the smaller sort yeah. of pamphlet like, size Like books. a net book that they have online or yeah. something. So, so you and I live in the past, and, and Stu's much more of like, ah, that. He's always looking at the new thing. So Now, something that about this scared me a little bit. He's been listening for months, but when he start, starts talking about the fact that this is all information for a novel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're going to turn it into a, an RPG setting, and you're going to run a game of it, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that makes me nervous. Na- novelists versus GMs 
what the similarities are and what the differences are. A well, now that bit. Margot Weiss Productions is gone, we can do this, right? Because she was a novelist first and then a game designer right, second. Right, yes. Oh, so maybe I should have made my comments when I did. I should have oh, well, waited and held them. That's all right. But that's exactly why I was saying that <clears throat> writing a, a setting is very different from writing a novel. Right. Although I think if you're writing a novel, you might very well come up with the setting first. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up with your cast of characters, come up with all of that stuff about them, know the world, know how things work. Probably makes, right, just like it makes GMing easier to make decisions, players decide they're going to go mm-hmm. over here. Because you, you understand the world that's developed and it's fully developed, you can, you can infer what would happen in that situation, even if you hadn't anticipated it. Right. Probably works the same thing when you're actually sitting down writing the story. There's stories about J.R.R. Tolkien going and doing tons of researches back before the internet, like on how to make rabbit stew, or what the local flora was in swamps, because these characters were in there and he wanted to like make it real, or yeah, or at least have a clue right. to like, all right, if you're if you're living off the land in a swamp, what what can you eat? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of I think what he's trying or what what's going on is like you're building this world. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Wanted to have this adventure on Mars. Well, then he spent a huge amount of time sort of working out the physics of Mars, the tribes, all of that stuff, and then he dropped John Carter into it. Right. But all that stuff was done not on the off the flood. I'm pretty sure all that stuff was set up ahead of time. So, world building, I think, is is a really important part of of creating your game and or novel. Mm-hmm. It's just one takes a turn left and the other takes a turn right. Right. Uh, one of them you just leave the world untouched and drop players in it. The other one you now write a novel based on all that history. Right. But I don't yeah. see a problem with that. Well, the, the, I think the problem comes and there's a couple, and I haven't seen them around at the last couple cons, but previously there were people who had like their homebrewed, like their own RPG system that they created with, I don't know if it was in conjunction with or after they wrote novels or maybe they wrote the novels after the system. There were a couple different people who did that. Then I know you really liked the sh- the moon laughing moon. laughing moon yeah. yeah yeah and that one seemed okay but there was an, I don't remember what the name of it was but it was very and a lot of people who played it kind of had that same well it's sort of like you have this rail that you have to be on because the story does this exact thing yeah. and the guy who ran it because he was the author like every time he ran it it had to be that story. I think yeah. I know who that was, yeah. yeah. I don't remember He's the name. actually famous and has a, had an update recently. But I think yeah. that was only his con game. I'm not, and he was running a demonstration of, of his butt. Yeah, I, I know, know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's... It is dangerous if the GM has a story they want to tell and is using your characters as characters in their novel. But hopefully, I would hope that your GM is good enough that he set up a world and is letting you play. And, and here's the thing. If you're if you're tempted to like make a bunch of characters and railroad them, think about all the wonderful... Movies and stuff that have come out of role-playing games. We've we've pretty much figured out that Firefly was inspired by Traveler. <laughs> We're pretty much figured out that Dresden Files is inspired by Mage. Game I'm pretty Thrones, sure that probably. that Underworld was inspired by Vampire. Game of Thrones, Gerps. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're just making things. Now you're now you're like, just making it up. No, I mean, I, that's actually that's actually a theory out fatal. there. Is <laughs> fatal. He is, and, and he is a gamer. He is he a gamer. Is, he is and, a gamer, and 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 there is a lot of theory out there that that George R. R. Martin, his 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 whole you know epic was uh, came out of a GURPS game. And if you think about it, if you take the Moda Sin stuff, all of that stuff that happened, you could distill it down into a great vampire novel. Right. You really could, or a couple of them. So. Yeah. That that idea well, I mean, is out there. I st- I've started writing. I've written a few short stories mm-hmm. that I've shopped around. No one wants them. But um, <laughs> one of the short stories that I'm writing right now 
is about Zap Sarquan, which is the the character from Star Wars. No, no, no. Zap Sarquan is the oh, guy. Oh right, it's Bar Stangle. How can you get them mixed up? <laughs> he, that's the that's the character. Um, one of the pregens I came up with for Vast Dominions for the big blue monkeys from outer oh, space. Oh yeah, right? okay. Uh-huh. And the, the the short story I'm writing is about him. And the story of him becoming a becoming the captain of the ship for the very first time is the story I'm writing. What's his name? Watch the watch the gap. Mind the gap. Mind, Mind the, gap. the gap. What's his name? Zap, Zap Zarquan. I remember doing. But I remember doing that drawing. You know, but I, yeah, and and the whole my the whole point of doing it was that I, I can develop the character. More. I mean, my reason for doing it is a. I think it's an interesting character and it's kind of an interesting setting. Yeah. But I came up with the setting and the character. To play a game, but now it's like I'm I'm, I'm ma- using that as an opportunity to flesh out the setting more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say here's the direction things are going to go. It's just a short story, and it's from a period of time that would never even be presented in a game. Here's the interesting thing: a lot of movies and plays have come out of workshops. Right. What a workshop is <clears throat> is collaborative storytelling. Yes. Actors, up a little actors bit. and writers and stuff get together and they at a table, much like we're doing now, and they banner stuff and people drop into character and start responding in character. Meanwhile, the guy's writing it out furiously or recording it. Right. And then after that, a play or a a movie takes shape out of it. It's a really even writers write movies that way. They'll start bantering back and forth. The comedy writers banter oh, back and forth. Shit. You haven't been recording. I haven't been recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> am I, oh, am I turned back in? Yeah, you. Oh. Yeah, you're up. Yeah, you'll have to download it. You'll have to get it off the Googles. Yeah, you may have to do some editing. Oops. <laughs> well, and the the other thing you get. Okay, we're recording now. Okay, good. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just grab it yeah. off the. I'll grab it off the thing again. So anyway, but but not the first. It's, time. it's not uncommon. I mean, what what you can do with a game is after it's run for a while is it, you, it's basically working like a workshop, and you can write your novel from what your characters do. And the the other thing you get when you're writing a novel is you're not bound by the rules of a game system. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you want Zap or whatever his name is to be able to cast a fireball out of his eyes, you can just write no. that he can cast a fireball out of his eyes. Well, I moved this and it hit that. Carry on. That what happened? Well, what's, what's interesting about the mechanics of a game, though, is that it, it introduces a set of rules to your world yes. already. Um, so your magic now makes sense, or it has has a reason to make it sense. It has internal so, consistency. It has internal consistency that's already built in. But that you no longer have to work out. Yeah, well, okay. Very good. I like internal consistency. That's a really good word. Did you make that up? No, it's a thing. Okay. It's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. So, it, yeah. I, I, just, <laughs> I just remember reading, like, um, D&D novels. Yeah. Because I love, you know, D&D novels. Elminster and all of the, you know. I read the, the Dredst ones. The, the heroes. They do stuff in those books that none of my characters could ever do, right. regardless of what level they were right. in what class. Well, sure. It, because... They're writing a novel, and they can just be like, "Hey, it would be really cool if you know Elminster threw a fireball that was like the 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 the, the strength of the nuke that was dropped on uh, Japan." Actually, he's only twenty three. He wouldn't have actually had that well, uh, power that, level. Most of the authors probably don't even play the game. <laughs> yeah. So, well, or, yeah. back, back then. then, now, yeah. Um, uh, now you'd be hard pressed not to. I mean, certainly the Dragonlance maybe. novels, like the the Dragons oh, of Autumn Winter, were were, were fantastic, those. and Margaret Weiss. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I don't know. The world has changed so much. People have grown up role playing that are now writing novels, creating movies, acting in movies. That yeah. I think that the lines have blurred a lot. It used to be, I think, that people would create a world and then 
railroad people through it. But I think that those, I think that's changing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly confident to say that there's enough people now that are aware of it. Yeah, that role that, that no role playing games that yeah. they're not doing that so much. But anymore. this is a guy who's never who's going to be GMing for the first time, mm-hmm. and just make sure that you understand when you're the GM. You're not the storyteller. You're the story facilitator. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Your players are going to determine what the what the protagonists, the heroes of your story, yeah. are going to do. And the, yeah. exa- the example always we, keep that in mind. The example mm-hmm. we use all the time is you just create the wizard tower and you put the wizard in it and you set up a couple of defenses that you think the wizard would do, and then you say to your players, Here, "He's in the tower. You need to get him out." And whatever they do, you go you, with it. Yeah, you go with it. The, if the they want to tunnel under, if they want to, if they want right. to, you know, uh, mine it and make it collapse, then you know, oh wow, I hadn't thought of that. But that's fine because that's what the wizard would have done too. He didn't, he didn't think somebody was going to go and undermine his his tower, and make it fall over. That's that, and that's where things get tricky. You're like, well, this is my story. My wizard would be smarter than that. No, no, you've set it up. Stick with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the 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 best piece of advice that I've gotten out of all of the Happy Jacks episodes I listened to before I started coming on the show was don't create solutions when you're GMing. Mm-hmm. Right. Just create the problems. Right. Yeah. That's right. Let the players come up with the solutions. And that applies here. And they will always surprise you and come up with better things. You make a note of it and put yeah. it in your novel oh, and yeah. write it later. Yeah, not always. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're not part of the solution... You're the GM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very nice. So I like put that, that on a T-shirt. Yeah, all right? yeah, yeah. SP Lloyd, we're working. I'm looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> that's part there of the go. solution. You're the GM. I like that. If you're not part of the solution, you're the GM. GM. That's good. Genius. That's, that's a good one. You just yeah. wrote that right yeah. now. I just just you see the that? top of my head. See that? Yeah, I and think I, it's a lot safer if the books are written inspired by the game than pre-game. So, as someone who wrote the the books pre-game, be careful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't try to tell the story that you've already written. Yeah, do you no. players so easy to fall in love with your yeah. world? Yeah, so easy. Stork, but yes, he's been listening, so he probably mm. knows. Do you remember what came first for Dragon? Bloyd wants to correct you. It's Bloyd. It's Bloyd. Bloyd. It is. I was okay. I was, oh, is he in the chat room? S B Lloyd. I thought so too, but it's Bloyd. It's Bloyd. All right, Bloyd. What's up, man? What came first for me, the games or the novels? I have it wrong. He's going to correct me. Yeah, do you, for Dragonlance, do you remember if it was the the novels or the modules that came first? I don't remember. What? Oh, it was the modules first. Oh, it was the modules first. Uh, yeah, for sure. I have no idea. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you sure? Yeah. Because I don't remember. Not that it's at but all. Then, important, but then, but, but then the novels came out, and then they they kept writing modules, and they kept putting out more novels because there's like forty of them. Or oh, something. there's an amazing yeah. amount of Dragonlance novels. They're still are they any good. Okay, six of them are. There's four of them. The, the dragons of the autumn winter and stuff. But the early ones, you can tell there's a learning curve where they're still trying to find their voice. They're all chat room says books first. Books first. Okay. Really? Okay. They're right. all. Um, S. Bloyd says books first. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Bloyd. It's not S. Bloyd. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember what I was going to say. What I was going to say. Uh, It's falling out of his head. Brain fart. Okay. I don't even remember what I was going to say. All right, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Real life social combat nightmare from Jeb, not Jib, from it's it's all in the reflexes. <sighs> and that's that's his. There. I hope to God that's the name of the podcast. I think it is. It's like one of the best quotes ever. He's got the lipstick on. He's like, what's oh, that? What movie is it from? It's Big Trouble in Little China. It's that. Kurt Russell. He I've, th- see, I've seen. He throws it. the knife at at at. Uh, and the, and the bad guy catches it. It's uh, you know it's Wong or Wang, and he's like oh, holding right. it. And he goes, 
I said, no, it's not. It's just a balance, and he throws it back, and he catches it, and throws it and he, into the forehead. It's all in the reflexes. <laughs> As only Kurt Russell can do. Uh, by the way, the Boom Comics right now has a mashup of Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. It was like the number one selling comic of the month. <laughs> yeah. Because, come on, it's Kurt freaking Russell, right? You know, Snake Plissken was one of my favorite characters of all time. I, and put I, them together with, with, uh, with the trucker from Big Trouble? Come on. I, I, played, a, I played a thief back in uh, early edition AD&D called Snake Plissken. Just had an eye patch the whole nine years. I, I um, I'm still watching Goliath on Amazon Prime. It's just getting better. I'll have to watch it's it. taking a long time for me to watch it because I try to actually sit down and concentrate on it because you have to. Yeah. It's that kind of show. But oh my god, it is so good. One yeah, like one or two episodes at a time. By the way, I watched all of Luke Cage one binge weekend. Mm-hmm. Is it good? <sighs> I, I'm so slow. behind on my it's Marvel. It's very slow. Do you watch the whole thing though? Watch the whole thing. Because a lot of those Amazon or or Netflix, Netflix. shows are have a very slow burn to them. Because they figure we're giving you the whole thing. This at one's once. slower than most. It's really. It's, and I I had some problems with the acting. I find yeah. that that Luke uh, the guy that, that, that plays Luke Cage. Was very good in Jessica Jones, but he's just one note. Yeah, and he's very good at that one note, but that's kind of all he can do. And I was even surprised that some of the other actors weren't great. It sort of feels like they asked everyone else in the cast to like tone it down, yeah, so that so he, he didn't looked good. Michael look Coulter, bad yeah. by comparison. I think so rather than act better, everyone else needs <laughs> to act worse. He's not bad. He's I don't just know. he's just he just is one yeah. note. He's just I'm just the strong guy who's you know fish out of water yeah. kind of thing. Um, the guy that plays the villain, I thought, was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some wonderful performances, but it almost feels like, again, with your your critique about Doctor Strange, it probably could have been only eight episodes instead of the twelve. Right. Because there's a lot of like stuff that just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and character See, development about characters, I really don't care about. <laughs> See, I don't mind. I don't mind like character development and exposition and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I was when I was watching. Oh it, no! It was in, in Goliath. There's a there's a scene where there's like. These long sort of like crane scenes through like a, you know d- the deserted streets of, of Malibu or not Malibu where is it done Santa Monica probably like down down these streets in the middle of the night and they're empty and there's trash rolling around and what's his name is walking by himself I don't mind that kind of stuff because it's setting a scene if if it's got a purpose right it's either setting a scene or it's telling you something about the character no I. I, I, I'm, a, I'm all about mood setting. I mean, Blade right. Runner does that for me. All of that yes. stuff in yeah. there, all of the, you know, the walk what now, a, cross now, what, all of that stuff works for me. One of my but, favorite but, unnecessary scenes in any film is in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this really quick because it is it's one of my the all-time, original or the remake. The remake. The okay. remake with really uh, what's his name, who I didn't recognize the first three times I watched the film. Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a chameleon. So if you say, I didn't recognize him, it's, it's either Gary Oldman right. <laughs> or it's... Uh, a chameleon. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a literal chameleon. Right. I, there's a scene where they go and, they, and, and, he, and he picks up um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch? Slapty back. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, right. And, and, the, and the guy from Special Divisions, or whatever his name is, the old man that works with him, he's like a fixer. Mm-hmm. He's kind of it's he's, he's the, I haven't he, seen it yet, but okay. oh, you haven't seen the film. Okay, oh, I saw the original with like with Michael Caine. I think it was I'm not right. Sure. But it, it, it's there's a it's it's shot from the back of a car. They're all in a car together, and the old man is driving, and in the passenger seat is um, Benedict 
Cumberbatch, and in, in the back is Gary Oldman, right? And there and there's a and, and the, uh, the old man was a beekeeper, and as they got in the car, a bee gets in the car, mm-hmm. and there's this scene, and it's probably fifteen seconds long, where the car's driving along, and you get to see what each character is like by how they deal with the bee. And the That's guy, a genius, right? It's really yeah, and it the is, old yeah. man, the bee starts swimming around in his head, and he goes like this. And then and whacks the bee, and the bee moves on to to the guy sitting next to him, and he's like <coughs> trying to get it away. And then the, and then and then you see Gary Oldman watches the bee, and as the bee starts to come toward him, he rolls the window down. And the bee goes out the window, mm-hmm. and it's like this lit. It's a short little like five, ten or fifteen second scene that lets you know here's what these three people are like. Yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. insight into their personality. I've, cool. I've always said that... I love shit like I that. I do, too. I've always said that there's a, a, a moment in every movie that defines the character. Sometimes there's a couple, but like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, when he rides in on the mast and steps out onto the dock, oh, that's right. awesome. and they bust him, yeah. and, but you remember the line? And then they zoom and, out. And they zoom out but, well, right. but the line is, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of. And he goes, ah! But, but you, you have heard of me. Heard of me. <laughs> and that defines that character. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All the way through that movie, you're like, "That's Jack's." Actually, it's more of a. But you have but you heard, have heard of, me. of me. <laughs> I've always said that, and, and if you look at any good movie that has a, has a, a moment where that character is completely crystallized, mm-hmm. and that's one of them, where each one of those characters got, yes, pointed out. I love looking for that, and I love that stuff. Anyway, there's a. I was in the midst of reading something, Sorry, and now I'm completely lost. You had barely started. I did. Oh, uh, the chat rooms correcting themselves. Evidently, um, the modules actually predated the novel by seven Don't months. Don't correct, Stork. By seven months. Yes. <laughs> Dear Bushdag. <laughs> you were right, dude. Nuts, bro. Well, I mean, it's not yeah, it's I'm competition. Like I'm not like thank not you. all. You have to I, I, I don't I'm saying thank you, too. So it was a Congratulations thank, thank on reaching season 18 while listening to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. I heard Stu give this example of social combat. Wow. If I walked into no, a used episode car... one, season 18. All right. If I walked into a used car dealership and I'm not buying a car today, then no matter how persuadey that car salesman could be, I'm not buying that car today. Right. That's my best stew imitation. Thank you. <laughs> I think this is a bad example, or rather, it's a good example of how someone dead set against an idea can be talked into it. How many people have gone car shopping saying that they're not going to buy today, only to drive away with a new car? Not me. I, I was just going to say not <laughs> stew. Now, if my daughter's with me, that might be a different story. If she's, you know, 17 or 18 and we're going around shopping for a car or something mm-hmm. like that, that might be a little different. People get talked into all sorts of things against their better judgment, then possibly rule the decision for years afterwards, which sounds like a great role-playing opportunity to me. Absolutely. Sounds like relationships. Or parenthood. There's <laughs> <laughs> a real example that actually happened to me. The time, 1992. The place, Orlando, Florida. My wife and I were in town for the wedding of a friend and, the co- and combined the trip with some casual tourism. On the drive down, we saw a billboard advertising free tickets to Disney World if we would sit and listen to a sales pitch no. for one of those timeshare condo scams. Yeah. You sap! What a great idea, we said to each other. We'll go listen to the pitch, then say no thanks and head off to Disney. What could go wrong? (laughs) So we did just that, touring the condo facilities, availing ourselves of free refreshments, and yawning through the slideshow and sales talk. 45 minutes later, the sales rep finally wound down and said, So, what do you think? 
already shaking my head and half rising from my seat, I turned to look at my wife and was stunned to see the look of raw <laughs> avarice on her face. She wanted that condo package. I said, whoa, 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 we can't afford that. To which the salesperson replied, well, let me see what I can do. <laughs> and, there, and you hear the sound of... Fail! <laughs> God damn it, I rolled it! What she could do was offer us all manner of incentives and bargains, going as far as to write up a contract with our names and dollar amounts on it for us to sign. Before I was able to physically drag my ensorcelled bride away to Disney, let me tell you, it was close. We barely escaped with just the Disney tickets. The way I see it, it's, by the way, uh, I, we got sucked into a camping timeshare thing years ago. Oh, so what's a camping timeshare? Well, it's cool. they have these camping spots around the around the like country. Like cabins? Um, it's like camping sites. So if you bring your RV or whatever in, and, and they have like you know you bring this member, you so get like all these member benefits. It's a, kind of like triple of for campers. It's like joining. Yeah. It's like jo- it's like joining a camping club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're all over the place. Yeah, they're across okay. country. And my wife used it once, maybe twice, when she went across country. She would okay. stay at these little places. And that's it. That's all we've ever used it for. Right. But uh, Because she was a big... Yes. Because <laughs> it's a timeshare and you can't just get rid of those that's things. True, that's true, you can't. That's you can sell them to... A, if they, have, they have actual things. companies out there now. Actual companies whose sole purpose in business is to get people out of timeshare contracts. Wow. Sure. Well, that's I, what that's what they do. I I I, I have a um, a friend who uh, a uh-huh. long time ago a friend no no I'm sitting right here <laughs> no no who who got uh, well you know some I'm of these people so I'm, I'm, uh, you know some of these people right. so I'm being vague I, I won't uh, I got a call from call a, a friend who wanted to who said that uh, they were involved in this <clears throat> game called friends helping friends I don't know if you're familiar with this term no. Some in the chat room might have known known this, um, and it was a it was a club where you join and you pay two thousand dollars, and in about four months you get ten thousand dollars. It's a pyramid scheme. It's exactly what it was. It was, I, and I remember getting hit up by it. Okay, you got hit up too. Okay, yeah. and uh, some a friend of mine got two other friends involved in it, and it was fairly oh. late in the game. And they were having trouble finding people, so they had paid their money up the pyramid. Mm-hmm. They were having trouble getting the two or three people they needed to get in, or or they got those people, but they couldn't get the next layer of people because I get skipped a level or something. I don't know. <clears throat> and I know, and I'm not good at math. I'm really not. I'm <laughs> yeah. not good at math, but I do <clears throat> understand when you take a number and you double it over and over and over again. It becomes a big number really, really, really fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I believe, uh, actually, John Oliver, and this last week on Sunday on his show on HBO, did pyramid schemes. Oh, did he? And I believe that they calculated it was, if you find sell to five people, it's either 13 or 15 cycles, and that's every person on the planet. On the planet, yes. Right. Yeah. And, the, the, um, and I knew this, and she's keeping trying to get me involved in this, and I'm like, uh, No. I, I'm sorry, but that depending on what level you are in this thing, my likelihood, A, I don't want to try to go out and try to convince people to throw money into a Ponzi scheme, because that's what it is. Yeah. And and secondly, <clears throat> no. <laughs> so I didn't do it, but people got sucked into this thing. Yeah. And people I know, and people, they're not dumb. 
But I don't know. My pops, my pops went to one years and years and years ago. It's one meeting of this. Right. This was long after they were made illegal, by the way. Oh, this was this was when I was. Well, a they're wee. still technically illegal, and <clears throat> there's still a bazillion no, no, of no, them. No, when this happened was long. Well, yeah, but they, they had gone away for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were around like I think in the 70s, early 80s, <clears throat> and then they went away because they like the, yeah. the the Justice Department came and went boom, and and then all of a sudden, this was in the 90s, I think, they start cropping back up. Yeah, you know, this is back in the 70s. He they're, went he went to one alive. and he decided to never go back again because he said. There were just tables with stacks of money on it. Right. And he said, I was nervous to be around that much money because if someone who had less than, you know, savory ideals found out about these stacks of money there, that'd right. be a bad place to be. Well, I've, he said there was just amazing amounts of money. I've been at concert venues, <clears throat> I won't say where, but I've been at concert venues where I you know, walk into the office and there is a closet with a very large safe and there's stacks of cash inside this big safe mm-hmm. and the guy who's the 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 uh, like the concert manager the, the the venue manager he like was reaching over for something goes like that and he's carrying because yeah. Oh, yeah. there's an open safe there with probably oh I don't know Two or three hundred thousand dollars yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not every band brings friendly <clears throat> bands. <clears throat> yeah. You just never know. You, when you get that punk rock band, you work them into a lather, you just don't know what's going to happen. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Anyway, sorry. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, speaking of convincing people, um, so, so uh, the, the, by a timeshare, she had been convinced. This does not mean that the salesperson, the salespeople had total control over her. If we had signed those papers, my wife would have had buyer's remorse the next day and probably for the rest of our lives. But at the time, she was totally on board. Mm -hmm. The way I choose to represent this in a game is through a similar contest of wills versus persuasion. If the PC fails to uh, their will check, <coughs> I would expect the player to go along with the winner's idea slash suggestion, maybe grumbling about it the whole way, maybe looking for ways uh, to make it fail, but they should go along with it if they are good role players. And that is a, that's in capitals, and he has a very good point. It's, it's a great opportunity to play uh, out mild conflict between characters, and when it ha- happens to a character of mine, I eat it up. Of course, this is with the caveat. Can you touch my beer? What did you do to my beer? At, no, they were asking what we're drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. All right, yeah. This is, this is not actually my beer of choice right now because it's only 4.7, and I can, you can drink it a lot. It's a little farty. Ah. Twisted twisted pretzel wheat shop um, top. Not bad. No, not it's good. I like this yeah. stuff. This is good. A little bready. Of course, this is the caveat. shock. But it's good. <laughs> that there are some things that you just can't <laughs> talk people into. No matter how good, you are, good your persuade role, you cannot convince someone to do themselves physical harm unless they already want to. And even then, it's a dick move. That's you right. cannot get someone to give up their wealth and possessions without offering them something in return. You can get them to agree to a bad trade, all their wealth for spiritual salvation, or this cream puff of a car, or this luxury condo for two weeks out of the year. But no one would just hand it over. And even then, it might take hours of talking, which could be represented by a strong die modifier. So, GMs, let those players roll a contest of persuasion. Players... If the dice go against you, run with it. If anyone says the words, make care you wouldn't do that well, then you're just a douchebag. <laughs> Jab, not Jib. P.S. The Hell's Kitchen episode was great, but not enough boggards. How much stuff did you guys record? And how much did it made into the episode, J and J? Let's do that first. Okay. Uh, 
The Poxy Boggards were on Hell's Kitchen. It was, it was awesome. It was really I, good. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. It was super good. Which we recorded like two years except, ago, and we've been we yeah. couldn't say anything. Except you looked annoyed the whole time. I was annoyed the whole time. Okay. I know. I was actually terrified because I, I don't. I think I may have told this story in the last episode or the episode mm-hmm. before. But we went, we sat down and figured out the songs, and we would were given kind of guidelines on how long the song should be. That's really loud. Sorry. And sorry. And. Uh, and so we sat down and figured out, wrote, wrote all the little snippets of songs we were going to do. And each one was like four lines long. And we rehearsed the crap out of them, so we were ready to go. Yeah, they gave us these, the, the fish that they wanted done. And, and Stu early on goes, okay, we need to be really careful that we don't do copyright infringement. Because yeah. I don't know who owns uh, Barnacle Bill the Sailor. Do you? Uh, Disney right. might own it. Yeah. So let's stick with stuff we know is copyright free. Right, which is stuff that we wrote, wrote and right. stuff that we know for a fact is, is very old. Right. So we did all. We, we came up with all this stuff. We show up to the place at like I don't know seven o'clock in the morning, on like a Tuesday or whenever it was they were recording, and we sit down, and the guy's like, "Well, let me hear a couple of them." So we do two of them, and the guy that brought us in was there, and his boss was there, and his boss is like, "Those are way too long. They need to be like one or two lines." You guys go ahead and work on that. Um, we're going to go check on the on the. On the set, <laughs> see if it's ready. We'll come back and get you. So go ahead and work on that, and we'll we'll come back when we're ready. You guys got so, like 15, 20 minutes, right? So he walks out. So we're start. We start going. Okay, first song. How can we do the? No shit. Fifteen to twenty seconds later, they walk back in. Okay, you done, we're done yet? We're ready for you. <laughs> we all have to get up and walk it out. So as we're walking down the, you know, they have the hallway with the pictures of all yeah, the contestants yeah, yeah. and shit. <laughs> we're walking down that hallway, going through each song, saying. Okay, here's what we'll do. We're gonna okay. Whoever's holding that sign, you sing the first line. I don't give a crap what key it's in. You just pick one and sing it. All the rest of us coming on the second line. What are the two lines we're gonna do for every song? We're figuring this th- this out as because, we're because up. The, walking the, super slow. Because like, the, the trick is, <laughs> the person starting the song has the fish right. So yeah. we we had some rhymes worked out for that. So but we but we the boggards didn't know what the tune was going to be until the person sang it. Mm-hmm. So the person that has the Arctic charts, the one for, and now everybody can now jump in because now they know what the tune is. Right. But until that person sings really? that song, we don't know what. No, we, we had know, no clue. At you guys that point, totally sold it. That was amazing. Well, that's why I look so terrified. <laughs> well, but, no, my, but the thing I was left with was I was watching. It, I was like, wow, Stu, it, Stu's having stage fright, or he's pissed. I was both. a little bit of both. I was so stressed out because we went in completely prepared to do X, and, and they had, had to do Y. X divided by two, <laughs> <laughs> which See, we were ready. We for. had created our world, and we <laughs> were completely yeah. inflexible. <laughs> yep. yep, we did it. We pulled no. it off. We yeah. actually, we actually, because we had done all of our homework to edit it down was pretty simple. And, I, and the way I remember it was, it was it was less than 20 seconds. It was it was a couple of minutes, but we were there. And she comes to us and says, We've we're got ready like- for you. And I said, can you give us two minutes? And she uh, and walked away pissed off and came back 20 seconds later and said, no, we okay. need you on now. Right. But, and then, then we, we walked But we had gotten like, there's there were eight of them. And we got mm-hmm. one done by the time they showed up. Well, I got to tell you, you guys nailed it. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, we, we, here's, what, here's what, as far as what we recorded and what got used. We did every one of those snippet songs as a safety before Gordon Ramsay came out. Mm-hmm. They set up all the mics and all the cameras on that ship, and we did every one of the songs. Mm-hmm. And they said, those are safeties if, when we do the live shot... Oh, it gets messed up. Yeah. And they got something to cut to. Then we did the intro song. Was it Happy Jacks? Yeah, yeah. Happy yeah, Jacks. Happy Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. And we did the intro song... Um, 
And then he came out and introduced himself to us, and we met him. Really tall guy. He tall is guy. with really big feet. I've met him before. Yeah. And then yeah. And then I met they, Gordon Ramsay once. And they sh- and they. Sh- Where you look at his feet? Was it um, was it on your neck? Or no, something? he was he was like two <laughs> steps above me. He oh, didn't right. want to look at his. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's true. But he wanted to know how big it was. Yeah. That, so I had to size it up somehow. I mean, and you know what they say, right? Did, big no. feet. Yeah. Now, did he recognize any of the songs you guys sang? No idea. Okay, because there was one sh- time where they cut to him and he was kind of laughing, and I have no idea. They edit those to yeah. like oh, crack, yeah. crazy. But he kind of he was looking at you guys and he was kind of laughing and he was like cheering. So Here, I don't know. Here's what I suspect because mm-hmm. I, I kind of know what happens on set is that he was back there with the cameras watching them with someone when we did our first take on of everything. He was probably giving advice. I think the whole note about Mr. Ramsey, you know, right. came from him. Uh, and this is right up his alley. That kind of music is the stuff he grew up on. That, yeah, that, that that's pub what I rock, wondering. and I have a feeling that he was he was like right in with it because yeah. there was a twinkle in his eye the whole time. Like, he even pauses it. What, what, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, but, and he's I mean he's from the British Isles, so a couple of those traditionals. I think he, he, he probably recognizes. I think yeah. he completely gets that whole scene. And yeah. Um, yeah. but they they when we when he came out and did it live, they they warned us. They said right up front, says once we start filming live, Mr. Ramsey does not like to be interrupted. Right. We want to. We're going to start. We're going to go through, and we're going to finish. We don't stop. And we had anticipated that we would. Wow. We would do each take. They would. They would stop, and they'd move cameras into whatever. Oh, no, no, not at all. They pretty much did that all in one take. That we had. They had the safeties. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they had the safeties for every song, which I think they used some of. They did. They cut because I know there was one song we went up on right. when it when it was live, and there was one that I did because I looked completely nervous, <laughs> and they cut to the safety because I looked <laughs> terrified. I could tell. And then and then they um, then we did all of them, but we see the whole thing is we didn't know which songs we were going to do because the contestants were going to pick yeah. the ocean uh, and yeah. then we have to flip the sign. Right. So, I mean, literally, the whole time I'm sitting there going, I am Baltic Sea. Am. If someone says Baltic Sea, <laughs> I have to turn my sign. I sing a song about cod. I mean, this is going through my head to make wrote, sure I don't screw up. I actually my, wrote the name of the song that I was supposed to sing the tune. On the, on the, edge, on of the, the, on the edge of the scroll. So when I dropped it, I knew that I was singing the Arctic charms. The one, uh, I don't remember what the tune it was. No, no. Oh. we wanted to keep the ship. We said, "Can we have the ship?" And they said, "No, there's already." Digital. Anyway, that's way Aww. inside baseball. But it, yeah. and, and the ironic thing is, we recorded it like two years ago, but we've been sitting on this because we couldn't say anything. So, but now we can. Getting getting back to the email. Oh right, yes, that's why we're here. You, no, you guys go ahead first because I I, I could look at it from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what I was going to say is, I just tapped into the if you're a good role player, you'll roll with it, and it reminded me of the time in Moat. Where Sam persuaded the ever-loving crap out of Stork she, and I. Well, we talked about that. She awed us all, and we were all, and we were both. Yeah, and we were both like, and of course, that's unrecorded, so no one can hear. Oh, that is that the one that didn't get funny stuff? It was genius. She was like, oh, she so did. Good. She did. Um, you remember that? You yeah, were odd too. Was there, um, I know. I'm you were odd all. too. Presence. Uh, yeah, it was presence. No, she I hit, was the only who wasn't odd because I was turned around or something. Yeah. I remember. And so, so she, I was just super annoyed that both of you were like, "Yes, anything." It's the best idea ever. She yeah. threw she threw down presents, and she did so well that it affected everybody else in the room. We which failed affected, our saves, and and we failed Stork and I. And it was so funny because we were like, "I'd be like, yes, I really like blue. I agree. I think that's a great blue's idea. a great color, right?" I, I know. And Sam would go, "Oh, I'm quite fond of red." Red. Go, red I don't know why <laughs> we weren't thinking red. Red is such an awesome I color. It really is. And and um, <laughs> so good. It, we went on like that for like five or ten and minutes. Sam had to keep couching her questions not as 
statements, but as yeah, yeah. she had to she had to be very careful what and how she said stuff. It was she would really say like, good. She would say like, "Well, what do you guys think? Well, I think we should, you know, go get burgers." Oh, I'm so much more a fan of, of pizza. Pizza. I meant pizza. What I was pizza thinking. is awesome. <laughs> Who said burgers? I didn't say Terrible burgers. Terrible idea. Burgers yeah. are horrible. Let's get pizza. Yeah. Because we're, and the funny thing is, we're like in a brainstorming session. It was like, all right, so how are we going to solve this problem? Yeah. So everybody's asking questions. And whenever, whenever Samantha said, I think we should do this, I'm like, you're right. We should yeah. definitely yeah, do yeah, that. Totally. Stork and I, Stork and I came up with these great ideas. We were like, we should totally do it this way. It's like, yeah, but you know, if we made his it was his skull into a purse, we'd be like, that's an awesome idea. His skull needs to be a purse. But the way you guys were doing it, sorry, I don't have my fucking mic on. The way you guys were doing it was funnier than that because it wasn't. You were you would sit there and go, you know, what we should do is we should probably go over and like go on a dating website and see if we can like lure people in. And she would say, oh, you know what? The problem with that, the problem with that is this. He says. Yeah, so we'll go to the dating site. But you know what? I just thought there might be a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> it really was hilarious. It was yeah, and it was, it, was, it, was, it, it was really fun to play that, which taps into this email where he says yes. a good role player will catch on to that and roll with it. Because we could have done it like this. Really? She, she, right. she, she's odd us? What, you mean fine. I don't get to play my own character? Fine. Right. All right, fine. Table flip. Whatever. So, right, Sam, you guys, you guys, just, you guys come up with a plan because apparently, you know, our opinion doesn't matter because, you know, we're, we're odd right now. When's that we're off, by the way? It was like a year. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> whenever she rolls that shit. I know. I know. She rolls like a thousand so, successes. I, so we could have played it that way. Like <laughs> I think that was a, that was the corner. It wasn't yeah, that a year yeah, for the, you guys. Yeah, the, yeah. Cor- the corner was a year. <laughs> I, actually, I don't think that thing. What she did. Can I keep rolling saves? I don't when does when this break? Because I'm going to kill her when I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to kill her when I'm done. Uh, we could have been that guy, but we didn't. Instead, but, we were like, because uh, we actually didn't know what happened. We we're like just suddenly very agreeable. Yeah, and it was re- <laughs> it was really super fun. Just yes. to, to see to see Stu and and Kimmy, you know, and and even Sam laugh about that when. Stork and I were just totally deadpan about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, but that might but, be a problem. But that's that, what that's, that's what happens. I mean, the, the, we all we all looked at the dice. We looked at each other, and yeah, bam, okay. we went into it. So all right. <laughs> I mean, that, now uh, that didn't get recorded. Ready? Go ahead. No, remember because there was a problem right. with the recording. Oh, that's it, like ran out of time, so I had to put another card in. Yeah, or and so like there that. was like there was like an hour of the that episode that didn't get missing. recorded. Yeah, yeah. remember and it was like. And here's what we think our plan will be. And Kimmy's king of the island. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty oh, much right. The, right. the listener experience yeah, for that episode. Right. Yeah, that's right. But here's here's from my perspective a as a player, yeah. I agree with you really guys 100. percent 100. As a GM, I don't because I think as a GM, you have a responsibility to be more restrained about taking away player agency. If the players themselves are doing like what you guys were doing, you are obviously 100% on board. It it's going to work. It's fine. But if you're not, I think the GM has a responsibility because you. I mean, it. What he's talking about here is a perfect world interpretation yes. of how to handle social combat between player characters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't always have player characters. Who live and breathe? Yes, and yeah, right. What would what you, you do with the power gamer and the munch gamer? Because there's always one in every in every yeah. group. There's a power gamer. And now, at, now, at, what are you going to do? And at that point, and if so, Don't talk and, about stuff that way. And and the important thing, the, the, I mean, the GM, the GM's main goal in any game is to make sure that everyone's having fun. Yeah. Yes. 
And if someone really doesn't want their player agency taken away, maybe it's because it's a specific situation that they feel their character in this situation is not going to do what this character is asking them to do because it goes against some fundamental thing. Maybe it's not, you know, fall on your sword or jump off a cliff, but maybe it, it, it is, you know, break this you know, cultural tradition that your people have followed for the last thousand years or whatever mm. it might be. And the player feels and the player feels very strongly about that. That is when I think you need to start looking at, okay, how can we modify player versus player, the social combat rules, so as to not take away the player's agency, but still make the player with the social skills have some kind of effectiveness? And is there some kind of medium we can find for that? And that's as a GM. That's a totally different thing than as a player. As a player, I agree with you. I agree with what he said a hundred percent. Yeah, that's I, what that's what I would do. And that's something that you have had to deal with. Rec- have had to deal with recently. You're, Am you're, I not being loud enough? Put it a little lower because it's kind of pointed off to the side. Okay. Nice. Sorry. Right. Between the girls. Okay. Right between the girls. <laughs> <sighs> um, Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and you've had to deal with that recently in our Magnificent Bastards game. Because you play our mind control character. And I'm really uncomfortable playing that it, character. Yeah, and you're amazing at playing that character. And the pro- the- but you struggle with... I think it's that GM versus player part of you that's really nervous to take over those other characters. Because I am the, uh, I'm playing the... A, two, two reasons I don't like playing that character. Well, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't like playing that character. Cause mm-hmm. It's outside it, your comfort zone. It has been a fun game. It is definitely stretching, stretching my skills as a player, mm-hmm. I'll say. Uh, which I think that's I, why Dave did it for Which you. I think is good. I think that's why he did it. But, A, it's the mind control character mm-hmm. who literally breaks people's wills and bends them to his will. Right. I mean, that's what his character does. It is, it's not, I'm going to try to persuade you to do something. The, I'm going to take over your brain and make you my puppet. If you yeah. make that role, it's a deus machina. It is actually, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely is. Anything can happen. And the other thing is, that character, he, he has a, a dark passenger mechanic. Which means when you've used up all of your fate chips, the dark passenger takes over, and you have some aspect of your personality takes over, and it stays that way until uh, it until all of those because he's using two sided fate chips. He's using Othello pieces, so they start out all white. You flip them as you use them, and when they're all black, the dark passenger takes over, and as certain things happen that satisfy the dark passenger, they turn white. And when they turn all white again, you're back to your normal character. But my the, my character, which is um, Svengali, Svengali um, when he his dark passenger is a 100% total prick control freak. Rasputin? Yeah. Not he's not Rasputin, but no, he is like everything has to go my way. I have to be in charge. Mm-hmm. If there's a plan, it's got to be my plan. I don't go along with things. I lead, and if I'm not leading. We're not doing it, and that's—I mean—that's literally it says shit like that on the character sheet when the dark passenger takes over. And he, in the, in the second session, it never happened. But in the first session, I, I ran out of them. Yeah. But we all tried to race to run out and of them. Bill said, "Isn't that the deal? Isn't that the choice?" Like, I'm, I'm done. I win. Yeah. Right? It's all black. We all and, did it too. <laughs> and he's sending me notes, like 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 um, role playing notes. It's like, did you come up with this plan? <laughs> Stuff like that, like, and that's oh, why suddenly, if you listen to that game, I become an intractable a hole. Right, I'm going with him into the police station. We're like, that's not good for the plan. No, yeah. I don't. I don't Svengali does not Svengali care. Svengali, Svengali is going with you. Right. So, and it, that at that point, 
I mean, like at some at, at points before that in the chat room is is commenting on this. Like, if Svengali gives you an order, you have some player agency in ha- about how you t- you carry out that order, unless he's very specific with you. But when he his dark passenger takes over, you have to follow his plan exactly. Right. So right. then well, there's not even that wiggle room. Of Svengali player makes the role, and we fail your whatever. Yeah. He you yeah. do what he tells you to right. do, and in fact, I think in the last game you. I think you. I did it to Chris's character. Yes, because mm-hmm. she was get, get, about to get into a fight with someone in a bad situation. And, I don't remember. Exactly and there was what basically was. a contest of wills, and she. Oh no, you guys broke even. But anyway, we broke even. And then I, I spent my card. I was like, Svengali does not like losing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> spoilers. But uh, you actually convinced her character. So There's again, it, it goes back to what he says. Too. If you have good enough role players, it's not really an issue. Right. It's an only an issue if you have a couple of power gamers and stuff and they table flip when all of a sudden or, they're not able to... And they to, don't trust. And, and they trust don't is trust. huge because you guys trusted Samantha to not make your characters do anything that they wouldn't normally do other than like like red rather than blue or something. <laughs> like there is some element there but you knew she wasn't going to completely screw you over. And there's also great yeah. trust in that <laughs> game. Like Chris knows and tr- we all trust Stu that even if he controls our minds and he makes us do something like... Like there's there's a line there that we know he won't cross, and right. that's a huge part of it. And, I mean, but even even when we were playing that game and we were going through and we got into the place and I like dominated like two people's brains. Yeah. And then we get to the third guy who's sitting down there smoking. I'm like, you know, I've already done this twice. I'm gonna step back and let someone else handle the situation yeah. at this point. I could try to do the same thing again. I was rolling really well that night. So we so. killed everybody instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and murder hubbas. I don't remember what I was going to say. Okay, well, I let, that's let me, not our... the, the the thing the, the thing that's making me a, a slightly uncomfortable about the conversation is the idea that it is a the quality of the player who determines whether or not the GM needs to be mindful of this stuff. And no. I can see that there are situations, yeah, especially if you've been playing a game for a long time and the players, their characters have really solidified after a long period of time into who they are, where where the player is going to look at the look at it. Objectively, and say, my character just would not take this course of action. Right. No. For whatever yeah. reason it is. So I think even good <laughs> players can get to a place where they're going to say, no. Yeah, absolutely. The GM always has to be incredibly mindful of that yeah. situation, even if they're great players who are yes anding, even if they trust each other, because there's going to be those things, and other players are. And nobody's going to know necessarily when you get to that line with the character, especially right. if it's a character people really care about. Mm-hmm. So, and I've had a couple times where oh, I can see in the L five. I always point over here for the L five R game because we played in the tiny room. <laughs> yeah, I can see during the L five R game there may have been times with some of those characters after a while because that game is a hundred percent about honor. Yeah, right. I, I could see where there could have been issues like this had those kinds of conflicts come up because I think. Mm-hmm. People really got set into who their characters were. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think that I think that's a really good example, and I think the vampire game is a good example too, because there's all those different clan loyalties, and we have very. While it's not necessarily all about honor, it's in fact the opposite. We all have really strong characters, like right. as far as who we, our personalities are, where our loyalties lie, what we're willing to do. And you're all predators. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Good. Go. So okay. <laughs> I think that I'm not sure if I know the words to put this into the discussion here, but I think that if, if you're going to play a game, right, where things like um, presence 
hold on one second. You closed the back doors so the puppy can't get in the house, right? I don't, I don't think I did. I, didn't, I don't know if I knew to do that. Is that a thing we do now? Well, she hasn't learned how to not pee in the house yet. <laughs> well, can you check for me? Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. So, if you're going to play a game like Vampire, where uh, abilities like Presence and Dominate are commonplace. Yes. And there's also, I think, an assumption in Vampire that you, player versus player stuff will be more common. Will we'll be more common. Yeah, no, it totally not, is. Not only is it part of that, but, but you buy points into it to be better at it. Yeah, right. and the 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 social stratus is the social stratus. The uh, social setup of of the whole vampire society is set up in a way that vampires use their powers the same way that we use our hands. Right. Right. Like for Sam to to use presence or for Kimmy to use dominate, that's not something weird that she does. It's just like me picking up my keys. It's just, that's what I do to get shit done, right? right? So if you're going to play in a game that has those things, I think you have to be willing to adopt some of that into your player agency. It's going to happen. Yeah. I I agree with you there. I think, and I I think there is very specifically, especially with Vampire and that, that sort of a game, I... I think there's. That's a very specific exception. But it, but it's, it's all, but it's, all, it's in the Magnificent Bastards game, okay? It's in it's Magnificent in, Bastards is set up that way though. Sure, but it's in D and D where you have Charm Person and Charm Monster and Charm Other. It's in you know superhero games where you have mind control. Well, I but just, those, those aren't games that. Specifically, assume player versus player character versus player. Character. That's true. There, there L, is that aspect. L five R yes. Vampire, absolutely. I mean, all of the White Wolf stuff. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that way? Well, you know what? I don't think Werewolf is very player versus player. Look, with not as we're, much. We're, not we're, as we're getting a little <clears throat> down to the degree. He actually, he actually ba- backs us up with that. I mean, he basically says, you know, it's, if you have great role players, it's not a problem. Uh, if you cannot convince someone to do something physical harm, yada yada. So GMs let those players roll a contest persuasion. Players let the dice go against you and run with it. So he's agreeing with us. But but the elephant well, in the room I'm is saying that there are exceptions to that. And, and I'm saying that, the, that yes, I yes. And I'm saying that I think the problem is and the elephant in the room is that there are players that are intransient. You get the and I'm going to use a blanket statement: the min maxers, power gamers, and uh, grognards who don't take. That kind of influence. Well, I'm sa- what I'm saying is there can. Is she outside? Yeah. I'm saying there can also be. Oh, so she says. Good players, because there's there's a <clears throat> implication in what you're saying. I know that's why that I'm not why I, talking about good players. Yes. What I'm saying is there are times, maybe rare, mm-hmm. where good players will also be intractable because they are deep into their characters and their characters are so well developed that they know who they are and they the player feels strongly that their character would not do this thing. Right. Like if you're talking about I'm going to try to convince the paladin that we need to sacri- <laughs> let the sacrifice of this child happen yeah. or or whatever that right. might be. And the and the player and the and the players going there's no way my character would allow right. this to happen. I, I know it's you just know an example. I mean? No, I, I know exactly right. what you're saying. But, I'm I not mean, going to pick your example apart, but, no, but, but what, I, I, what I'm, it's the opposite is true. You are right. There are people that can be so invested in the characters and know every nuance that it's like, no, no the, I, he wouldn't do that. Right. He's a paladin of Pelinor. Why would he? No, he can't. 
in uh, those or whatever it is. Simply letting the dice fall and using rules as written yes. may not necessarily be the best situation, especially if you get to a situation where you you hit that threshold of the player is no longer having fun. Yeah. So Which is really the line yeah, we all true. don't want to cross. That's the that's thing, yeah. yeah. Right? And, and I don't know, sometimes as a GM, you're like, well, you know what, you, you should probably try to play around with this or try to go with this. It's, it's a really squishy situation. It's almost person by person at the game table. Yeah, well, Esploid, Esploid, Esploid just said, that's why vampire, there's ways to foil presence and dominate. Plus yeah. willpower points. Plus willpower. So if a yeah, player yeah, yeah. really doesn't want something. You really to happen, want to. You can spend out a willpower. You have to spend a blood no. every turn or something until you can shake out of it or go into torpor. Yeah. In which case it breaks too. Then so, I, it's really a terrible mechanic. Anyway, yes, I, I get it, but I think we've beaten this horse to death. Don't yes, you? I agree. Uh, let me just say they're, they're talking about the L five R game. I, I have actually just started kind of developing what the next like iteration of the Inukai game might be. Do you want to hear what I'm, can, can I've come up with for the premise? Can, 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 you, we, can you fit another player? Maybe. Yes, I totally want to hear this. <laughs> big that table. sounds great. Um. Uh, it, would, <clears throat> it would take place maybe another generation later. And all of the player characters come from someplace else, but they're all descendants of, of the Inukai. Mm. So they've married off, or they're descendants of people who've married and moved into lion lands or crab lands or whatever. And they've stopped. That there's been no messengers from the Inukai lands for uh, through throughout the the winter, or, or at some some point during the harvest time, there was uh, communication ended and the shipments from the Inukai lands stopped. The beer stopped flowing, and, and like the winter, winter happened, and during the winter you don't travel because yeah, but it's, it's the winter of our discontent, right? I'm so, it. so winter happens, and no one can do anything, and so the thaws have just started, and so these various clans have put together. We need to find out what happened over there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and no one's heard from them since you know last the last harvest. So, how did we start the last one? Was it a funeral we all went to? Yes, it was the funeral yeah. of the last player character, which I believe was. Tyler's character, yeah, because mm-hmm. Tyler's character was the was the daimyo of the yeah. whole family, mm-hmm. and his he, he's the one that had that, that had the taint. Yes, that's right. right. Which <laughs> actually, and that, and and then actually he had succumbed to it. Mm-hmm. That's how he died. And then Tyler mm-hmm. was playing my descendant mm-hmm. right in the spinoff. Didn't like to be a lion and forced it into scorpion, <laughs> which like which never worked. I know. He's like, I'm not playing a lion. I'm going to be a scorpion. And rewrote the backstory that I had set up, <laughs> and then we died on an island for just the bones. No, there was a reason. Him. There was a reason he was a scorpion. He came up with a whole. No, because you had married the scorpion girl. Nope, a lion. I didn't marry anybody. That was a movie. Married the scorpion. I impregnated girl. a lion girl. She cut off my head, and then gave birth to him. Oh. I but they, remember, was remember, he disgraced himself, and yeah, in order to that. save face with the clan and everything, he got beheaded. He gets. Uh, and that's why he had. The, that's I think the story that he came up with was <clears throat> that's why she had to leave the lion clan. Right. That's right. And She's like she gave the baby up to scorpion. And yes, only because I want to play right. scorpion. Right. I don't want to be a lion. Well, the scorpions would take him in mm-hmm. because you know all kinds of dirt because <laughs> that's the way they are. So, but that, that's what I'm thinking of. So it would be a, it would be a multi clan mm-hmm. game. Not all of them, but a few of them. 
and it would start there, and maybe someday we'll get to Death Island and find out what happened there. But probably not. But probably not. <laughs> Can I play my Kitsune again? Sure. I like that character. We never got a chance to do anything with him. Although, every time we encountered magical creatures, he kicked ass, but that was... Oh, right, yeah. What, like, once? I want to play. Okay. Hash, actually hashtag fat, huh? Oh, just actually found and sent me the picture he did of my character. There's the one, two of them, yeah. Yeah, the, but the one with the little dragon because I, I I thought oh, it was the lost. Air, the air kami with yeah. the air kami that's uh, that looks like <laughs> the dragon from uh, what's the movie? The Neverending Story. Because Never that's, uh, that's how I always picture them in my head. The kami's always look. He like actually posted the dra- on the forums dragon. recently. I think. Oh, he, did he really? I, I think there's actually a yeah. He said I just I forgot about these and he reposted because he's a very skilled artist. Yeah. Uh, I would I think I, he's got. Did a, he do a high res? Because I would love to I print think there's it there's Ranjiro in there as well. Yeah, he says he can send it to me because he, he's been watching my cosplay streams a lot. Sployd, you're there. Who's there's a there's a male character there with a little beard and stuff. Is that and you have this really cool kimonos. Effect. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you took it from wallpaper and put it on Photoshop or created it, but it's really cool. Is that Rinjiro? Never bathe alone. Sorry. Was it Rinjiro right. or was it uh, <laughs> was it Musashi that that character was? I don't remember. Anyway, fact sheets. Who's anyway? Next? Yeah. Hashtag fact sheets. Fact. <laughs> hashtag fact sheets from hashtag Jonas Larson. Salutations, greetings, and threats. From the not really that cold empire of hashtag Sweden. You know what? That's a very Scandinavian joke right there. It's, it is. It's funny. I like that. It's very. As a repeated letter scribe, it's becoming harder to think up new questions to bring forth to ye. Can I stop for one second? Mm-hmm. Does Sweden have a king? Is it Sweden that has a king? St- now? Still? Yeah, I think they do. Denmark yeah, did. No, it wasn't Denmark. I know for a fact it wasn't Denmark because it started with an S. I, I'm pretty sure Sweden has a okay. it's I monarchy met him. still. Oh, really? Yes. If I, it, I think I don't have my phone with me. I'll look it up because the monarch of a Scandinavian sure a country was really into sc- the scouting movement. Okay, like really uh, a huge okay. supporter of the mm-hmm. scouting movement. And I was at a uh, it, this would have been in 1983 at a uh, scout national jamboree in Fort A.P. Hill, Virginia. Wow! And we had heard. That the king of, I think it was Sweden. Gustav of Sweden. Carl 16th of Gustav of Sweden. Uh, that, that probably was him. The monarchy. And, we, and I was, and, but we'd heard that he was there. And I was sitting down with uh, some, some kid from another state, and we were trading patches, because that that's a big thing that you do. And we're trading patches, and this old guy walks up and says, What are you guys doing? Oh, we're trading patches. He had a oh, weird accent? Cool. Yes, he had a weird accent. Yeah, what are you guys doing? And and he talked to him, and he, and he, he says, well, my name is Gustav, or whatever it was, and introduced himself, and he off he goes, and he's got like a retinue, guys with entourage. like 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 <laughs> ear ear things, yeah. and, and and suits with him, and and our our troop leader came up and says, that was the king of Sweden. <laughs> I don't think no, you're no. wrong. No, I, yeah, I, the chat room just looked him up. It says King Gustav the sixteenth. Carl Gustav is making the scouting. Okay, yeah, that was him. Because I remember they said that he's like a huge supporter of the scouting movement. Nice. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. My brush with Swedish nobility. I meant Did you get your Viking patch out of it? You met the king of Sweden. The king of Sweden. As a repeated letter scribe, it's becoming harder to think of new questions to bring forth to ye. What shall I inquire the great sages on the (laughs) other side of the world this time? Maybe ask Stu for a comparative study between AC and dice fudging? Nah, we know how that's going to end. Badly. Oddly enough, nah, 
Today I want to ask about how to do fact sheets for your campaign setting. What's a fact sheet? Fact sheets <laughs> have been a long... We may not be good at this. <laughs> fact sheets have been a long-running joke on the show and often referred to as something that is a waste of time to write because no one will read them. Just as those poor letters I sent to pound... Or, I'm sorry, hashtag fear the boot. Didn't you see the smiley faces with hearts in the eyes in the margin, Dan? Was all that work for nothing? Hashtag sad. Hashtag back to the topic. <laughs> I myself have never seen fact sheets as worth the effort, except for an... Authorial, authorial masturbation uh, okay, exercise. An authorial masturbation exercise. I know but, you got hung up on masturbation, because I did too. No, I it was authorial. Right. I hadn't seen that I word. I only before. saw one word there. But in my latest campaign, my players have actually asked me to write them. Go away. <laughs> Go away, Baiton. Shit, where is it? Where is it? Got I don't there. know. Go anyway. away, Baiton. All right. Okay. Uh, mm. They said... Go away, Baiton. They said... Go away, Baiton. <laughs> they well, said that they wanted something to read between sessions to help them learn more about the setting and enrich their experience. And I'm almost 100% certain they weren't sarcastic. Almost. Well, they are Swedish. It's hard to tell. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, it's, it's this whole dry Scandinavian humor. Sometimes you're like, <laughs> really? So, fact sheets. How to do them right? Shall I cram them full of information for the players to find and latch onto? Or shall I write as little as possible to give my players' imagination the freedom to roam wild and add their own stuff to the world? With humble regards, Jonas Larson. Hashtag, don't trust the Danes. Hashtag, fear the boot doesn't answer letters. Hashtag, golden lasso dog. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag, why <laughs> listeners make when you know listeners have, have you no one, one to, to make. make. My dog has his own hashtag. I actually, I'm missing Eric, by the way. Eric always was into the why, why problem, problem make when you know problem Eric have back you again. don't want to make. Are they still on tour? No, he's back in town. They're back, okay. Yeah. We should invite him again. Yeah. Who's Eric? Eric the Pirate from Dread Crew, who plays in our Vast Dominions game. Large beard, young. No? Okay. Funny, good looking. He's funny. He's a funny guy. Younger than us. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, he called him last time. Thank you. Um, fa- okay, fact sheet. What, ta- what he's talking about is like the background information that you mm-hmm. hand out to players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm seeing a theme in these letters here. But when you talk about fact sheets, I think he may have stumbled onto something inadvertently. That might be a valuable way of doing this. Hmm. Absolutely. And that is, well, have you ever seen, um, oh, the United States State Department does fact sheets on various countries? Mm-hmm. No, that's Well, I read those all the time. You, no. No, when no you're, idea. Well, when I worked at McDonnell Douglas. That's you and your conspiracy theories. So. No, no. When I worked at McDonnell Douglas, we had access to U.S. State Department fact sheets on various countries because the marketing department needed that information. Sure. And I kind of like. I figured out how to snoop around on our computer system because it was totally not secure, which is well, really scary for a defense. It was also like 1980. It was 1989 nine. to 1992. <laughs> yeah. and I Yay, Novell Network! I, real, I don't even know if it was, they used Novell. Uh, but I, I realized that if you had someone's badge number, you could pretty much figure out what their, what their user ID would be in the system. And everything was unpassword protected, mm. so you could Why look would at you? there were no hackers. You could then. look at, at people's files by just knowing their employee ID number, mm. which is on everyone's badge. I mean, this is and you could look the badge thing. numbers up too. Oh no, you just look at their badge and their. The next time you're talking like to them, you're like, 
You just have you just have to rem- you just have to be able to remember Eight, seven, a, a four, letter three, and six two. numbers. And I was snooping around because I was in the room with several vice presidents at various times who had their badges on, <laughs> and I found that that this um, database of uh, State Department fact sheets f- that were basically like travel advisories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the way they're written is, and Bill talked about this earlier, using, stealing like the Wikipedia format mm-hmm. when you're going to write something about whatever it is. A place, an organization, a person, or whatever. No, go ahead. I had four. Yeah. <laughs> These are really good. I want to eat them all. Oh, look, I did. You right. Did. But and the the idea was it said like almonds in them they're good for you. It, it, it's it, it's like over here is like the demographic information about the country, mm-hmm. and then here is um, various warnings for certain areas of the country. Uh, down here was and this was for mostly for government people right who are going to be traveling to these places. Down here is uh, uh, um, like uh, uh, sensitive topics of conversation things like that. But it, instead of coming up with, here's a two-page, six-paragraph narrative about the setting, mm-hmm. do it as a as a Wikipedia entry. an actual fact sheet. No, that's yeah. a really good. Like, in- yeah. here is the nation you're from. Here is the population. Here are the mm-hmm. things that they export and import. You know, do it as bulleted points because that way it's got useful information. That you don't have to pour through a bunch of paragraphs to read yeah. and hope to. It's like here's something. What do I need to know? There's the fact I need to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're like Stu Venable, you could actually come up with a Stickopedia page and say, I don't know. Here's the URL. Why don't you guys look it up? Right. I'm going to the bathroom, <laughs> and uh, and uh, all of a sudden everybody's on their phones checking stuff because you do that, that takes a lot of writing. Yeah. It does. But if you're going to write it anyway, you just have to upload it to but a, that a might false not, website. That might not be a bad way to do it. Is to no. do it in that right. sort of more organized order rather than in a narrative order. Yeah, yeah. and I you feel like... I mean? um, that's a very, that's yeah, a very no, that's good great idea. Advice. And I feel like a lot of GMs probably make their own, like when they're starting a, a campaign, like they probably have a sheet very similar to that. Yes. Because I know when I started my... Um, God, nobody remember the... The Salem Witch Trials one? No, no, no. It was the the the, fi- the 4E campaign I ran oh, before yeah. that for right. you guys, which had a weird name that I don't remember because it was with, an elvish. The one with the goblins? There's the one where the children were being yes. sacrificed, yeah, because yeah. I am a screwed one up person. One with the ghosts with amazing amounts of hit points. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that one. Um, and I did a thing where there was, like, a couple little lines about the thing, and then I had, like, literally bullet points that I just had in front of me. So if you're making that anyway, like, dress it up a little bit more, yeah. and give it to the players so they can reference it, too. Super awesome. It sounds like your players want to read stuff, though. So I'm going to play devil's advocate and go. If you want to write the novel, if you have if you have that stuff already, put it up on a place where they can read it. You know, it might be fun to make it like a Wikipedia article. It might be fun to make it like a history book. But if if you're like our first writer who's written uh, a bunch <laughs> a of book. appendices from A to O, go ahead. If they, if the players say they want to look at it, go ahead and give them access. Why not? Yeah. And there's and there's tons of places online where you can get and create. Gaming specific wikis. Wikis, yeah. Yeah, a Where lot of campaigns just, do that. Yeah, there's um, uh, what's the, what's the one? Um, uh, Obsidian Portal. Obsidian Portal. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. I read Lord of the Rings. I liked it. That was fine with that. And yet, there's people out there that read the Silmarillion, 
and learned to speak Elvish. I didn't do that. <laughs> and really went crazy. And if those are, if, weddings, if some know. of your players are are that kind of person, was your wedding somewhere? Let them do stuff. Yeah, there was a big Not tree. Really. Very subtle and classy. Okay, the problem was there were silver and gold trees everywhere. Silmarillion is nice. kind of a mess, though, because it wasn't. It's a history book. Well, you can't read it as a book. You have to read it as a collection of short stories. Okay. And then it's better. It's it's like the it's like the Viking epics. It's just it's sort of history. No, it's okay. I tried to read the Silmarillion eight times, failed each time. I tried to read it once and put it away and never picked it up. Kimmy, would you do you know do you know how I managed Brilliant. to do it? Sam do and know? I read it together. Like, like we should read in little bits of it. We read to each other right before we go to bed. In Elvish. And do you? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in the Elvish manner, yes. Unfinished tales, yes. <laughs> but but here's how I had to do it. Okay. I had the Silmarillion here. I had my Surface here with a, a, a Kindle <laughs> copy of the Silmarillion opened up to the index where all of the alternate names were. And in another window, a map of the First Age world so that I could read a paragraph and go, uh, there's a name I don't know. And I could look here and say, oh, that's an alternate name for this guy. What the right, hell cool. is that about? That's history. It was, it was like studying world history. It, absolutely. That's what the Silmarillion is. But I got through it and I understood it. Was it ever intended to be to be read by no. people? Not that it was published. No. No, no okay. that was his a world building It was Wait, published after I mean, he died. Right? Yeah. So a lot of it is like him just like riffing before he wrote yeah. his books, creating backstory that's for his the his world books. building notes. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's his GMing. Quite literally yeah, access is, to yeah. the GM's notes. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, also, it's also kind of like an origin story for oh, like it's it's the yeah. bible basically right. yeah. of middle earth it is the or it's, it is it's, the genesis yeah it's it's genesis it's um and it, it's the old testament and the new testament and it reads very similar to the bible where you can't just read it cover to cover because right. different people wrote well he didn't he wrote them all but it's like different stories are written in different styles some of them are more finished than others right you know it's in chronological order but it's not meant to be a like a chapter book right. and and the beginning of it the first few chapters are very biblical in writing style in that, like in Genesis, you have the whole, you know, he begat this person, who begat this person, who begat this person. Oh, Luvatar. That, the world, right, that the writing style in, yeah. the, in, the, in the first, like, probably two or three chapters is, I mean, it's, if you it's have, like reading the yeah, Old Testament. The Icelandic epics, uh, by the way, speaking of Sweden, uh, are very similar as well. The whole, well, we always think of Beowulf, but influence. there's all this, yes, well, yeah. oh, when, when they he, recently last year, sorry, when, when, when he was writing, there weren't a lot of fantasy books out there. He basically yeah. wrote the book on, on fantasy books, so yeah. he was basing it on what had come before, which is Viking epics and the Bible yeah. go. Sorry, his translation of, or Tolkien's translation of Beowulf was released last year. It's very good. Oh, really? Was it his or was it his son's? It was his. No, he did a translation of Beowulf <laughs> as part of his academic studies because he was a professor specializing in different languages. In languages, yeah. Language. Translation from what? Old from, English? From, from the old, the original, from the original, original English? English? We, we read we read a translation of Beowulf in my senior year of high school. Yeah. We had a British literature class. He the this is a long time ago, so we had a record because they didn't I don't know, DVDs were very or CDs were very new. But he had a record of someone reading the original Beowulf in Old English, the way they believe it was spoken it, it, yeah. had, it had been pronounced it's very strident it oh, sounds wow. really freaking German mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's what oh, yeah. it sounds like yeah it does not you will not you will not understand in fact we had falls we had to read we had to learn 
uh, a snippet of Canterbury Tales, which is written in Middle which English. Is middle yeah. English, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is still really hard to yeah. understand. Oh my god, one of the funniest memories I have is in high school, we had a translation of Beowulf, we only read like one page of it, but had an amazing English teacher. Best thing ever is a bunch of kids in Riverside, like redneck kids, trying to read Middle English Beowulf. No, no, Beowulf she, is Old English. No, no, but they had it was a translation, oh, translation to Middle, to middle English, okay. I believe. Because um, no, because there's no way we could have read. And I just remember, like, it had the funny characters and all that stuff. So me and my teacher, my she teacher was best friend. Well, <laughs> yes, she's best friends with my mom. So she, is, so I'm sitting in front. I couldn't help it. I'm that's, so that's sorry. Okay, Steven. That's right, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so. so she and I are kind of fumbling through it pretty well. Like, like she knows it. She's taught it every year. But I, I'm fumbling through it pretty well. And then we just, like, look at each other and trying really hard not to laugh when some of those other kids start talking. Right. Amazing. Uh, now, if it had weird characters, old. it may have been Old English. Because I it seem was. to recall Middle English. Are you all actually? I, I think I be. am. Because I seem to recall Middle English uses the same alphabet as, as modern. It mostly was. I mean, we were able to figure out what it said. Right. So I don't think we could have done that if it was true Old English. It didn't sound. This guy, he did the the our professor. He just played a record of someone reading it, and it sounded like German. Mm, yeah. yeah. If I had to guess, I would say that was. Yeah. German. No, we were able to fumble through and. Middle English is like one that the brew with the shore is so yeah. the route of marks at bears. <laughs> That's really good. And bath it every day in sweet liqueur. A week virtually is the floor. One Zephyrus ek with a sweet <laughs> inspiring half in every open week. And what the ten crappies. That's the Canterbury Tales. Yeah. That's wow, the part, you had I had, it? That part I had to memorize. Yeah, wow. I still know it, and that's fuck thirty years ago, thirty-two years ago. It's amazing. All right, well, that sounded just like it too. Who <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all an approximation. Sure. Who knows? I, I years ago, remember Nova? You remember Nova? My, my family used we the all series, used to sit yeah. around watching Nova, and there was a there was on, one of the series following the English language, and I remember there was a, there was a, they're probably all dead now, but there was a handful of people. They could speak like all three languages, all three variations of the language, and they could basically go take you from medieval to middle to modern English all in one sentence. Yeah. So they would take the same sentence. It's like they were like living Rosetta Stones. Mm-hmm. It's right. fascinating to me to follow the progression of languages. Yeah. I just I love that stuff. It's amazing. But did you? Most people are like I lose them after Rosetta Stone. Um. <laughs> Do you remember that? It ended up being a scam, but there was a record. This one's fine. There was a recording. I'll have one though. If you could have another one of these, there was a recording that was supposedly from uh, someone had a a a a, uh, a clay pot. Yes, oh, that I they remember had, that. that. Yeah, they yeah. Were putting designs in. I remember seeing like there was a Nova on like maybe they could get sounds out and of they, the clay pots. Well, right. They, yeah, and there's a dog barking nearby. And supposedly yeah. they found one, and you could hear people in the background. Talking and laughing, but you couldn't really understand what they were saying, and the whole thing was a total fucking house. right. I was so pissed off. About um, that. Yeah, that's, uh, but they, they they had there was a recording. It's you got an MP3. I've almost on used that as like a I plot used hook it a couple of times. Well, I used it with my Tesla game. Okay, because Tesla had invented a, a yeah. like time travel machine and got stuck back in like. Prehistory. And so there's America clay pots and dishes so that he, are records that you could play. All right, all right, he okay. leaves a clay pot somewhere where he that that is the, it's made out of clay, but it's the shape of an Edison wax disc that that he knows some the someone party will find. Eventually. Someone will find, and it and it, and I even recorded like a recording. This Break is the call text. Text right. <laughs> 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 all right, character creation from Michael and SD. Who's who's? I think so, it's my turn. I think it's Kimmy's turn. All right. This is going to be a long one. For those of you people with a long commute, 
You're going to like yeah. this one. Oh, that's the wrong camera. This one. For those of you people with a small commute, we don't want to hear about it. Is, it, <laughs> is this that wrong? No, no, it's fine. Oh, I just okay. switched it to their camera by accident. Oh, okay. the I mean, it would right. probably be a little bit better that way, a little more. Like that? A little more? That's better. That's good. Uh, character creation from Michael in SD, which we determined is San Diego. <coughs> Did that get in your eyes? <laughs> I always Maybe. had this impression. I hadn't thought about it. I think I had to, I had to navigate my way through that. I go, yeah, probably. I hope I don't get pink eye from that. Oh. You can't ask me fecal matter. Um, <laughs> you don't know what I have for dinner. That's true. You don't know what's been up his nose. Uh, <laughs> it's large enough. There's things there, that there, I didn't there, intend to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> I always had this impression that character creation was a fun and integral part of your average tabletop adventure. Watching your players pour over adventures and skills wide-eyed. Advantages. Advantage. Oh, sorry. Advantages and skills wide-eyed, gaining inspiration for some amazing hero. Now, years after my high school and college gaming groups, my players are mostly the complete opposite. Yeah. Preferring the GM to provide the completed character sheet. They still I got enjoy... a wife and kids. Just tell me what to do, man. I'm too tired. I can't, I can't deal with this. I kill the thing. I attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they still enjoy coming up with their character's premise and motivations, but have no interest in the fiddly bits. Well, I'm happy to oblige, well, I'm happy to oblige I feel like... I might be denying them something by not insisting that they do it themselves. Even RPG systems divide on who creates the characters, with D&D and Pathfinder assuming it's the player's job, so much so that they recommend each person owns their own copy of the player's handbook, while systems like GURPS and Hero encourage the GM to handle the crunchier bits of character creation. For my part, I offer my players the choice, and it seems to work great. But what do you and your listeners think? Uh, is character creation the burden of the players? Are we all just older and don't have time for that shit? Does it matter if any everyone is happy? Is everything made up of uh, made up and the points don't matter? Discuss, Michael from SD. That's San Diego, not South Dakota. Aha! That was that was our problem. Yeah. You know, we kind of covered some of this already. Uh, we were talking about um, you know. Is making sure the players are happy. Um, we also talked a, b- uh, a <laughs> bit about. Uh, all of our topics. <laughs> <laughs> we also talked about um, you know is, is everything made up of points? You know, it's just like I roll my dice and you know, it, 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 yeah, I, and I, I, and I got persuaded, so it doesn't really matter what I want to. I, th- I, I go ahead. No good. Okay, um, I run into this with our magnificent bastards game. I love the concept of my character. I don't necessarily. I don't think I would have built her, and I don't know the fate system super well too. I think that's part of it. It's the first time I've played that system, um, but the build doesn't match my idea of her, which I right. try and make it match. And I think that is one of the hardest things. Is I think for you to have a real understanding of the character, you at least have to be involved in creating the crunchy bits, even if you're not doing all the math, or you have to be in some way. Like laying out some of it. Some players hate that. <laughs> no, no, I get that. Some of that yeah. takes time. Remember, with L five R, none of us created our characters. Well, I'll, maybe you did. She did. I did. But the rest the, of us, the, the original, the original, they were pregens for a con. Right. And, yeah. and it took me six or seven games to sort of figure out what I wanted to do with Masashi. Right. Um, and I that's get it. That's true, and that's a great example of when it worked great for you. Well, guys. but it took a while. Yeah. But but I had the luxury of a long running campaign to work that stuff out. Now, Masashi was kind of a weird character anyway. Yeah. He was sort of the one that did everything that nobody else wanted to do or could do. Yeah. He's kind of whiny. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was also the youngest, if you remember. Yes, yes, yes he, he was. was. 
He was the one who was whining about honor all the time. Yeah. That's what some people used to say. Well, he was, because he was the youngest, and he was like, well, no, nobody's leading. I don't want to. Yeah. But anyway, he went, I want to go to Tachi Station for power command. Uh, <laughs> but the... I'm kind of stuck a little bit on your character as well because we actually don't know who your dark passenger is because you've never actually snapped. Yeah. All right. Your character's not very interesting, is it? <laughs> no, it's just interesting. The, th- the problem is, and I love, I really love the character, but she's the lowest lane in the Justice League. Like, I'm the yeah. only one who doesn't have, like, a super powery thing. That might and be. That, and that maybe I just have no idea, and maybe it's on the character sheet, and I don't know, but I looked at everything, and I don't. Like you have mind control. My, my character, it's very obvious where what his his right. abnormal powers are. I have like a law degree, so I've been using law. But the, here's but the thing about. Like, but here's the thing with the thing. Well, I, I no, I don't. I just I just can. I just when my you don't snap, die I eat and you things. have superpowers. Well, and you're really good at murdering. Yeah, I, I do murder. Yeah, <laughs> but the whole the whole the whole his only power when he's not like eating people is law. And, yeah. But with fate, if you say that that is it, and, mm-hmm. and you roll the dice, that actually is a thing. Mm-hmm. It actually happens. So, it is. A, it is a weird system. I've forgotten where you were going with that. But okay. anyway, Tim has a point. I do. Yeah. So, um, one of the longest games that I ever played in, and and I, I actually wound up using the character in like three other games, was a GURPS game, where the GM. Created all of our characters in uh-huh. advance. Let us pick, and it was a long-running game. It went for like a year. Um, but what he did is he had the character mostly made, and we got okay. to pick a disadvantage, maybe an advantage or two. We had a couple points we could spend on, you know, once we saw the character, some kind of hobby skills or whatever that we wanted him to have. And I think that if you want to succeed in a game for longer than a convention where you as the GM are going to provide the characters, you should do that. You should let your your players take a look at the character and say, okay, okay, I like this concept. It would be really cool if it did this. And then you have the, the points or the, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever game mechanic in the system you're using to let your player do that. And that's yeah. cool that, that they know the system. Really that's well. a great That's compromise. cool that they know the system. But, but, but with L5R, okay, but, I had no idea how to play L5R. He goes, but here's even, some characters for you. And we're like, all right. But I, I think... But even... Would, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. But even if you don't know the system, if your GM does, and you say, here's 90% of the character that, that you can play, look it over, tell me what you think. If there's something you think this character should have, let me know. I'll show you how to put it in. I'll, you know... Right. You'll you see those ten points there. You'll spend five of them for eidetic memory or what you know, whatever. And that's so, one of the oh boy. I, no, no, I have, that that was my punctuating yeah. so. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think, that, and that's one of the things we suggest for con games sometimes, depending on the system, <laughs> is have an almost completed character and then let them finish yeah. it off. We yes. did that with the traveler game. Yeah, so, uh, the, the, that guy. Uh, he's a fireman, Sam. I can't remember yeah. his, his last name. Who he hasn't been at a LA convention in a long time. But he um, it lives up in like Victorville or something. But he did he did the first person I think one of the first people who who did that at a con game. He built Savage Worlds characters, but he didn't give the characters drawbacks. Right. He gave the players choices. Here's five drawbacks you can take. Oh yeah. Pick mm-hmm. which one you want. So the the, the players got, and and disadvantages are what makes a character. Yeah a character, yeah yeah right? yeah. So he gave the players. Here's what you can do. Here's the stuff you're good at. Here's your talents. 
you get to pick what your character flaw is, and yeah. this character's personality. Here's how many points you need. Figure out right. what flaws you want to take. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it kind of depends on the flavor of your game. Because it can be super hit or miss. It can be miss or total hit or something you can build into. Because we started off Ivar, it wasn't meant to be a campaign, right? No. Um, and then we all loved it so much, and then I joined in. And the players, or yeah. the listeners loved it, too. Yeah, so it, it, it built into a It campaign. was supposed to be a one-shot, or it was like one or two sessions. I think you wanted to one. explore, you had a, you had like a beginning, middle, and end, you wanted to explore a little bit in, in this new system that you'd heard yeah. so much right. about. And now it's like this generational... <laughs> it did, it turned like, into a thing. ...thing. Um, but, As uh, good games do, mm-hmm. right? right? They have Absolutely. a mind of their own. Um, but I think we tend to be very RP-heavy. And characters matter a lot in that. I think if you have a more, like, and, and sometimes, like, totally, like, our Friday night games, a lot of times at the cons, we plan, like, this is a dungeon crawl. Right. <laughs> like, you will not talk very much, you will kill things, you will get XP, you and you will things. get loot. You will take their stuff. Yes. <laughs> you know, if that's... Loot. Yeah, if that's the, the flavor that your players want, and that's the game they want, then it doesn't necessarily matter so much, I don't think, uh, if you're building the characters for them. I... I, I agree and I disagree. If I'm playing a superhero game, I want to pick. I want to build my own character. I don't want you unless you hand me a, ch- a bunch of choices. I don't understand, but I want to build my own. I want. I want to play Iron Man. I want to play Daredevil or whatever. And I want to come no, up with my own character. Too. If I'm just playing a D and D game and or 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 even L five R, where like here you have a choice between an archer and a swordsman. I'm like, oh, I'll take the swordsman. That's I'm okay with that. Right. It really is a genre specific thing for me. If I mm-hmm. how much control I want on mm-hmm. the creation of the character. Yeah, but the, and maybe I don't know better. I, again, if and I don't know a system at all, if I, if I, I show say. up to play yeah. Wild Talents, I'm like, give me, I don't, I don't know. Uh, give me a character. Yeah. Give me yeah. a character. Right. The flip side is that character that I just described. If you asked me, you know, uh, what's his favorite color, I'd have to go. Uh, let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. But if you were to say, hey, what's Scully's favorite color? I could answer that Boom. in a second yeah. for you because it's that's black. my character. And like his soul. It's black. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it's blue. S.B. Lloyd had mentioned, the thing is, I haven't noticed anyone in the game doing a create advantage. I'm not sure Dave77 has told anyone that they can do that. We, we've been playing a very rules-light version of Fate, which is kind of an extreme tautology. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, we're, not, we're not doing all of the stuff you can do in Fate, but you can like apply aspects on things, and I'll bet you your character probably can do that, uh-huh. which means you can like if we're fighting a bad guy, you can say, "Oh, I'm going to adjust my garter belt and apply terribly distracted yeah. on the bad yeah. guy we're fighting yeah. or, or something like you know what I'm saying okay. yeah. things like that okay. So he, he sent me all of his the rules and stuff he came up with, and we're, we're also playing a lot of catch up too. We're uh, very few of us know fate very well at all. We uh, at all. <laughs> we may not or may not have been sober the first time we played it, and so now the second time we played it, there was a lot of like, what, what was that? Where? Well, how did I? Well, there was I like mean, three months in between. So to be too. fair. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't really done our homework, and we haven't really had time invested in this yet. So, after this last game, I think we all were like, "Okay, I, I need to spend a little more time looking at this." So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I don't think we all have character sheets. So, do we answer this question about character? I creation? don't know. I feel like we did. <laughs> I Personally, so. I, I I think it's okay to let players, if they have any familiarity with with GURPS make their, their characters. Yeah. Hero, I absolutely agree. I think the GM should make all of the characters. But they should be involved in the process. I don't agree with that. 
Because you I like calculators? What? No, no, no. I think the GM <laughs> should make powers. Okay, I can. Yeah, no. The, but there's still there's there's things that you can buy that are cheap that you have to set maximums for. Yeah, you have to, you have to set your levels. Right. I just think Hero requires a lot of GM customization up front. Yes. Editing. You're saying before, editing. Yes. Before you let your players Cause it, go. Because if Casey shows up with a, with a hero, because he knows Hero System really well, and he, su- he submits it to play with, uh, uh, the GM better know his hero because he's going to go yeah. through, nope, nope, uh, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, and then the player stomps away pissed off. Because <laughs> Hero is easy to min-max. Hero's a, uh, uh, you know, hero... It, you can make a speedster that will break the game. You can make anything that will break, break the game. game. Hero. Yeah. But Hero should never be played by <laughs> min-maxers and munchkins. Ever. ever. But that's who wants to play it. That's the only And that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Perhaps it's a flawed example. I guess I guess my point is, I I think if the player wants to create their character, that's fine. But the GM still needs to have caveat to edit. And the player needs to be okay if the, or if the GM the says Or the GM makes no. the players and the... The GM makes the characters, and the players can then modify the characters. Uh, you know, when we created Vampire, we mm-hmm. sat here in a room with you, and right. we asked you questions, Y'all and then at the there. end we handed the, the things back, and you said, yeah. Well, Stork sat here. Stork Samantha was here I, for 15 yeah. minutes, wrote his character, I'm done, and left. <laughs> Made a gang roll. And Samantha and I spent the next four hours debating names, hairstyles. <laughs> what do you think about this Color of the favorite trick? dress. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I, think, I think Samantha went through and read Every clan, yeah. and says, "Oh, Toriador." <laughs> I think she did. I know yeah. she did. I, if, so you know, in GURPS, you know, in GURPS, how when you're setting up a GURPS game, and it was it was much more standardized in third and before, but in fourth, I think it's much more variable. You you set you say, "I'm going to run a, a, a campaign." You can have 100 point characters with 40 points in disadvantages. Right. You know, X points in advantages and X points in in works. Right. I think. If I was going to run a hero game, which I wouldn't do... You can't do that with hero. No, I think you have to. You ha- well, no, you, the problem is you have to set a lot more parameters. You, have to, you just have to set a sh- crap load of parameters, yeah. and you have to have all the powers that you want pre-made, which you can just give to your players and say, you can take this spell. And like, what is the maximum level of attack you can have? Yeah, exactly. Right. That or kind can, of stuff. You or just you have can to set that after the fact. They or submit their character and you go, play hero. no, here's what, here's or, what you which, get instead. Which is, I would, right. I would play hero. I would not. I run really hero. like the way some stuff in that game. Yeah, we had fun. We did yeah. a little bit for like five. I love playing superheroes in hero, which is what it's designed to do. You knock people through so walls, and there's rules for it. Yeah, the, the the dice mechanic sometimes takes a little uh, of head wrapping to get it all to get the time. Around the, the it. Every hit, time I roll the dice, two hit mechanic is ridiculous. The DM, well, but, the, but the damage mechanic is fantastic. It is, but it just takes like. Like, uh, Stu and I are both yeah, on record yeah. that we don't we don't do math, right? Yeah. And yeah every time that dice rolls up, we both panic. And we're like, <sighs> okay, and, and it falls out of our head, and then we have to like ask somebody, "What did I?" Do? That's did that's I do? my thing as well. I'm not a systems guy. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm vampire. One of the games that I know the best. You know, you guys are like, hey, how does this work? Uh, no. I don't know. I just usually huck some dice and just look at it and see what the results are. Yeah. So but you've also been playing a different game for a long time. We, you were much more dice oriented than because uh, because we spent time talking about stuff, and I remember you going, "But you have a skill for that." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's my favorite solution to this problem is like what we did for Vampire, where we do group character creation. 
Because it's like, it's basically your first session. You're not sending everyone home to do stuff by themselves and figure things out. It's really fun to sit and drink with your friends and be like, oh, why don't you do, oh, you know, I'll be this part. And then it works together. Because that way you end up with a group of characters who have a little bit in common, but still have a lot of conflict, Mm -hmm. and a midget comedian. And a midget comedian, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. And tying it with my tip for the day, that way the GM can get all the character sheets and actually know what the characters are at the creation. Right, and then if they need help, that the GM can help them. If they really don't want to math, the GM can math for them. And as a GM, I have to say, it's fantastic, because as players are talking about what they want to do with their characters and what they're going to... It's like I'm taking notes the entire time and noting in my head. In my defense, I sent Scully to do long before the first. I know you did. The first um, session and said, Tell me what you think. I can totally change this to a different concept if you're not cool with it. I've got like two others. I've got like two others that are just sitting here waiting to be played. He's like, Nah, I I think that might be one of the few emails you've actually replied to me on. (laughs) <laughs> and I think I got two words, not or three words. Not it's fine. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. fine. No, yeah. it's fine. To the point. Let's <laughs> do. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm never going to tell you you can't play the character that you want to play. If there's I'm something wrong, you'll get a manifesto. <laughs> but but it, if, if it's if it's okay, you get like three words. You're I, fine. It takes a, a long time to earn that manifesto. A manifesto with a compliment sandwich? No, no, no. no, no. I, really, usually, I really like the way you named it's this character. titled The Right Thing to Do. Your generation <laughs> sucks. It's way too high. Your abilities are too powerful. Ah, you should uh, totally, you totally uh, drop them down. This character sucks in every way, but your penmanship was perfect. So you get the good, the good. <laughs> no. That's how I write emails. Stu's like... This fucking sucks. Fix it. <laughs> no, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I, I like put some, any like, less. stupid fucking compliments in the beginning of it first, and then I say that <laughs> stupid fucking compliment. You've heard it here first, folks. That's exactly how he thinks. My friend and uh, uh, sorry, kid wrangling from, and D and D from Weasel Creature, Slanche D and the B Cree. Is that how is that part? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, my friend and her son, 11 years old or so, started a D&D club at school. Yay for them! That's great! <laughs> well played. Good. She's just the chaperone in the room where it happens, and she tries to stay in the background and let the kids have their fun, but she's noticed some problems. She says a couple of the kids are DMs, but there are far too many kids who do not understand that D&D is not personal and argue constantly with the DM. That still happens in the adult world, too. 11-year-olds? How can that happen? Uh, So, (laughs) shocking (laughs) thoughts. I'm torn between advising her to let them figure it out, ding, uh, like we did Mm. back in the day, and get off my lawn, and offering some advice she can mention to the kids. A, it's collaborative storytelling, work together. B, the DM isn't your enemy, or who knows, they're 11. Maybe he is. They're 11. Yeah. He totally yeah. is. Ding! Yeah. Uh, your, C, your character isn't you, and those they encounter aren't your friend acting as the DM. Thanks very much, and drink up, Weasel Creature. I think you answered all your own questions right there, Weasel. They do, they're going to... They're 11. Ha, who here who played, who played role-playing games when they were a teenager didn't act like an ass? Wait, did or didn't? Didn't. No, I... What a surprise. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> that's, that's part of being 
that age. Who here currently, or even recently, playing role-playing games hasn't acted like an ass? Hasn't? Oh. Wait, has? <laughs> hasn't? I'm not- What's, what's the right That's answer? That's super negative. He's throwing you off. Has <laughs> acted like an ass. <laughs> yeah. we, we, I, I, the, I think... I, I'm, I, just, I, I'm a big fan of letting them figure it out on their own mm-hmm. anyway. Because I had to. And it was fine. Yes, you don't play the same kinds... The same quality of role-playing games you're going to play when you're in junior high school that you're going to play when you're in college. Can or that you're going to play in your 40s. <laughs> You're not. No, no, I, and I agree with you. As a player and a GM and a gamer, I agree with you. As a teacher, I feel like there are some resources that you could possibly use with students. <laughs> um, Actually, I think putting up the, these things right here, like yeah. signs that say, I made sure that you were signed up on this episode when we did this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is one of them a D20? You could give them a D20 and say, roll initiative, and that's how you <laughs> figure out your problems. Well, well, okay, remember, well, when we were playing off my bar, remember you put up the laws of Bushido in there for us to remember stuff? Yes. I think that doing that around that room is not a bad idea right. because they get caught up in the situation. And they Sentence forget. structures? So that they have like framing for if they're having a conflict, like what they can do, yeah. like the different possibilities around the room. So they have like visual references for what they need to do. Not that you would intervene and say this is how you need to solve it, but <coughs> have it to look yeah, at around or even a handout. Yeah, something we did and in, um, in our game when we ran with the really little kids is before you start the game, create a um, like a voting system. Okay, this is how if we disagree on what's going to happen, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. We're all going to vote because there well, were three the, kids. The other thing is in that ga- in that hero kids system mm-hmm. or in that game. Oh, let me. I wonder if I can find that yeah. that thing. Let but me see if I can find it because there was like a series of because they're all the hero kids, which is this organization of kids that protect the land while the parents are away fighting some war somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a, there's actually a uh, code of conduct mm-hmm. for the hero kids. Let me yeah. see if I can find it. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. Yeah, um, and so that, like, when you sit down before you even start the game, okay, if there's a gr- disagreement in the party about what you want to do, we're going to vote. And whoever has the most votes and that sort this of thing. This is just an example. This isn't a Yeah, you don't have solution. to do this. But, like... But this is something you can do before you even start the game. So then if the two people in the party and three people, they disagree, then they vote. And everybody's already agreed that they'll follow that pr- protocol. Um, same thing also like an agreement before they start the game. And I would suggest you do that out of character. Mm-hmm. Like the one for Hero Kids, I believe, is in character because it's part of their character. But it's like, you know, if you're going to agree to play this game, it's like right. the... You need to have buy-in. Yeah, this is what you're going to do. You agree to do this. You agree to compromise. If you have a problem, you go straight to the chaperone, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that they kind of have that to go off as off of as well, um, and I would also have like a separate one specifically for the DMs um, if they're running their own games. Be like, you're pl-, you know, and and kind of help them with whatever you want. I mean, I don't want to like dictate to you the GM is, you know, not the the director of the story because you know that's up to them to develop their own. Especially style. the GM is a kid too. Yeah. 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 And I, that's what it says they are, right? I yes, think, they yeah. are. Yeah, absolutely. So they need they kind of need that guidance. The GM, the DM slash GM will need the most guidance in the group because at that age, especially, they're going to want to dictate and kind of railroad the and story. The word, and, and the word dictate is actually part of the problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Oh yeah, and especially when you're young and mm-hmm. you're the GM, and suddenly you have all the power. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things. I, mean, I always rail against the whole concept that the GM is God. But eleven? Where do you think that came from? Yeah, yeah. 
I was yeah. I wasn't eleven. I was probably fourteen, but yeah. still, or thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm with Team Kimmy here. I'm I think that you need to not di- not directly interfere, like I said, but there need to be handouts and there need to be reminders because eleven year olds get really caught up and they yeah. they can't see the forest through the trees and it and it does become personal very quickly. Yeah. And I could see how these things get resolved on the playground later with fistfights. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, funny as it is, no, that's a legitimate. Yeah blowback from playing a role-playing game, which is not what we want. Or, we don't want people getting in fights over role-playing games. Or and quitting the hobby. Or quitting the hobby, or having parents make them quit the hobby. Yeah. Um, and also, you need to have a safe way for them to file complaints. Whether that's a box where they can drop notes in saying, hey, I really feel upset about this, that then the chaperone can go through and read and then kind of mitigate and deal with situations. If you don't have a safe way, they're not. They're either going to a keep it bottled up and then just quit the club, and no one will see them. And then no one, no one will know that they were super upset about something, or they're going to do the blow up thing where they, you know, try and table flip, but they're only eleven, so they can't lift the table, and then they yell, so they throw the dice, and they storm out crying, and that's never fun. For never anybody. use metal dice with kids. No. Back in junior high school, <laughs> I'd been playing basic D and D for a while, Shit, but um, my folks got me. The Advanced Dungeons Dragons First Edition Player's Handbook, mm-hmm. and I hooked up with a group at at my junior high school who was playing D and D on lunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, came Christmas time, I said I wanted the DMG. Mm-hmm. I wanted the Dungeon Master's Guide. The DM of my little lunchtime group said, "Oh no, no, no! That's my book. If you get that book, you can't play in my group anymore." Boom. <laughs> So my folks got me the Dungeon Master's Guide for Christmas, Mm because that's what was on my list. It was an entirely D&D Christmas. There were D&D action figures out at the time. that's awesome. I I want to be that tree. I want to be that Christmas. so awesome. Best Christmas ever. Anyway. um, But yeah, so um, I couldn't play in his group anymore because I got the DMG and I now knew... All of his dungeon master his secrets. secrets. He knew that he didn't actually know what he was that doing. He was lying. Yeah, oh. his his. Uh, I doubt if his first edition DMG is even cracked on the spine but, today because I don't think he but ever. You know what? You had fun in the game. Oh, I totally did. He and probably, then I ran my own stuff. That's really kind of the point. It probably is cracked on the spine because he opened it too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, um, af- after reading mine, I can tell you he never opened it. <laughs> so I think <laughs> no one should have read that. Weasel Creature, I think uh, uh, I'm with Team Kimmy. Listen to what she says. I think she's right. 11-year-olds are not fully equipped to resolve these problems and won't carry that baggage around with them. I, in fact, a, I know grown-ups really who yeah. don't resolve character right. blames and still carry the stuff around that takes stuff personally. That yeah. happens in games. It's... It, what are you talking about? S- Albert? No, it just happens. I mean, store. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure 11 year olds are, are carrying this stuff it. out. Yeah. And you, a lot of that stuff's online. If you Google like teaching resources or conflict resolution for middle schoolers, or there's tons of stuff you could literally just print out or online. Just, or just Google D&D um, helpful cheat sheets and <laughs> player maps and stuff, or mats. Uh, that, that I don't know if that will help. Both them. resources will help. Yeah. <laughs> there's an intersect in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> Basically, pointing out the rules of them and reminding them it's just a game at every turn mm-hmm. will help. Yep, totally. There is no spoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dead not, chick. Do not try to bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, realize the truth. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. 
He, he actually doesn't. Re- yeah. yeah. Were you that little He's kid? He's even the bald kid, yeah. Were you that little bald kid? You <laughs> yeah, like was, nailed it. That, and that's the like, only part I like of some of the later movies. When uh, the kid, whatever his name is, the, the the replacement kid for the first kid who died, like, and they're in the, the city, they're in Zion, like, he comes running up, one of the orphans wanted me to give you this, and it's like a bent spoon. I was like, <laughs> yeah, they got him out! And that's the only thing I liked about the. I wonder if it's the same actor. I don't know. I never checked. They, didn't, they don't ever show the kid in that movie. Hmm. You just see that, oh, one of the orphans sent you this, and it's a bent spoon. You're just like, yeah. I like uh, Dead Chick. I, uh, is it my turn? Yeah, I can't. I can't find it. But there yeah, was check a, from Ken, Ken was, Jim. Let me just say there, no, there was the a list one. of things in Hero Kids, which is the the like scaled down RPG for kids, and one of them was they stick together, they help each other. Yeah, I mean it was like all these like basic rules, and 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 you're supposed. I, I don't know why I can't find it. It might be in the adventures, but you're supposed to read that before every game, so all of the player all of the players know. Here's the rules of the game. Here's how our characters are supposed to act. And it's all about staying together, working with each other, helping each other, you know, not arguing with each other, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's a great rule, especially if you're having kids DM those first games. Because first-time DMs, when they're 11... Like tracking multiple party oh my God. people in different places. Can you imagine? So one can of the ima- rules should be the party has to stay together, and you can vote to decide where you're going. But <laughs> Don't you can, split the party. You cannot 11, split the party. An 11 year old GM with a split party, his brain will literally. Explode. He'll start or crying her. and he'll leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, she, or she? Or she? No, absolutely. Or she. Come on. I said I, I said she. Yeah, I didn't. Though. So he's correcting me. Go. I'm sorry, Kimmy. Thank you for being right. inclusive. Prima uh, How's that? How's that going, Russian? Kimmy. Privet. She doesn't oh speak Russian. That's her, that's her only accent. I'm giving her a, mo- a moment. Privet, Friedrich. Yeah, see, every, and people always ask for it, so I'm giving her a moment. All right, Russian translation. Greetings, greetings, douchebags. You want to read fanboy penis? No. Okay. I thought that's what the translation was going to be. It's two words. It's One of them while. starts with a P. It's was been like, a long while since we've heard that. Yeah. I couldn't think of a more creative turn of phrase, so I'm going with languages. So. Jack Chick died. Thoughts? Reactions? Shit's given? Aww. I'm, I don't, I'm not happy when people die. No. You know what? F that hate mongering. Like, yes, he, he, did, he did more harm to this industry than any person alive. No. Yes, you can look back fondly at Dark Dungeons, but at the time, how many parents took that stuff seriously okay. and, kick, and kids got kicked Maybe. out of the game, had ba- books burned? F that hate mongering, white supremacist. Like cartoons, frustrated cartoons, greasy little. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't. He think couldn't make his way into Marvel comics, so he's creating hate mongering. That's lies. that's his problem. Yeah, he tried to be a comic book artist and it failed. Have you have you read any of them other yes. than Dark Dungeons? I have dozens of them. They're hilarious. They're also they're not meant to be. They're horrible. They are. They're ho- I mean they're horribly anti-Catholic, anti-Jew. They're anti-everything. Yes, the anti-everything that isn't him. Yeah. The thing is, if it had not been for the hysteria about D and D, I do not think D and D would have become as popular as it has. Yeah, that's true. That is that. Yeah, you don't know that. That's a complete supposition on your part. I don't think. I, I, okay, I postulate. Well, let me let me ask you this: What do you? Th- if there had not been a a a uh, what what is it called? A moral. Uh, Moral panic yes. about D and D. Yes, would it have ever been mentioned on sixty minutes? 
You know oh no, it wouldn't have. You know so don't even talk because you don't know what you're saying. Wow. Absolutely right. Communism would not have been as popular in America had they not villainized it. You know, you're right. That that logic works so well. That's not what I'm talking about. No, you're not. That's not what but I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. These you're guys not, who made about a game because teenagers. Mm. teenagers are like, oh my god, my parents hate this. I'm totally doing that. Right? Yeah. I'm talking about a game that was that was put together in these boxes that were pasted together in some guy's living room. <laughs> okay, we're not talking about a worldwide workers' movement. We're talking about some dude who's trying to put together a nerdy game. Yes. Who suddenly is being interviewed on fucking sixty minutes? Yes. Yep. Because he was making a lot of money. Was he really on 60 Minutes? Yes, he was. Oh. Gary Gygax was yeah. interviewed on 60 Minutes wow. when they had their whole moral panic episode about D&D. Was it bad? No, he did not make no, a fool of himself. He did not. But boy, did he look like a nerd. But he was making a lot yeah. of money. He was also making, <laughs> crazy he was also making a lot of money. And it wasn't necessarily because of the moral bypass. I don't know. Was, if, there were a lot of people I don't know it. if, even back in the 70s, you can call how much money he was making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared before, to what a lot of money was in the 1970s. Right, there were a lot of people playing. The, the, oh, the well, reason the moral backlash. Happened my is point is, there were more people playing after the backlash happened. Well, because it got media. Your point yeah. is that it got coverage. It's exactly right. The because suddenly, the journalist in you sees the suddenly coverage. instead of there being maybe tens of thousands of people who know what D and D is, there are suddenly millions of people who know what D and D is, including parents who are going to their teenage children and saying, "You can't do this." Yep. Guess what they went and did. And I'm going to suppose that there are also lots of people that were playing that suddenly got shut off and you're, didn't anymore because you're of people right. like Jack Jick. You're absolutely right. So there are there are I'm going to say, I'm going to suppose as well there are. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that got told they couldn't play it anymore and haven't anymore and still think it's evil. Uh, you, you he did a lot very, of damage. Oh, no, I, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm not saying he didn't. But if it had not been for that moral panic, and it wasn't Jack Chick, it no, was it, it was, was everybody. All that a other lot of shit. It was Pat Robinson. Mazes and monsters bothered Who? about Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. There was a guy on a he used to be on like late night television. The, Something the Jaffe. Yeah, Rona Jaffe. Rona Jaffe. I read that, was that the book. woman who wrote Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, yeah I wrote that. Book. No, I read no, that. There, book. Was a, there was a guy late late night television. Oh. He was always really sticks. He hated the the band sticks. They right. were devil, you know, the river. Well, of course, because the uh, river's Dungeons and Dragons and all of that, yeah. Right. But it was all part of that. The, the whole moral, moral panic thing backfired on the people who, who didn't want D&D to be. Yeah. I don't know if it did or didn't. It did, because it it's did. still around. It's still around. Well, yes. There's more people playing it, to, playing it today than there ever were playing it in the 1970s. And no one is talking about it being satanic. And, I'm, uh, well, and, no, I'm, I'm wrong. And, there, I'm sure there are people who are still there talking are, about it. There are still it. people talking and about it. And Ozzy Osbourne is a millionaire but still. But no one gives a shit. <laughs> right. well, well, I yes, had to Google him. I had no idea who he was. Who? Ozzy Osbourne? No, no. Ozzy, well, <laughs> I saw his reality <laughs> show, so I know who he is from his reality show. Um, <laughs> and there's oh, something about him like eating a bird. I don't know. A but, bat. Um, bat. A bat. Okay. Bat. Didn't this he do a dove, too? Didn't he do it? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. That was Alice Cooper. There was oh. a whole thing about Alice? Alice Cooper stomping on baby What chicks. is What is with people murdering small mammals? Anyway. No, this is the hysteria. This is the hype. I don't even know if those uh, those two events actually happened. They didn't. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of like, like an urban I saw a myth. video of the bat one on YouTube at some point. Well, once maybe. it became a thing, it oh. became a thing in the show. Yeah. But I had to, yeah, when reading this email, I actually had to Google who this person was. I have no idea. Who? Jack, Jack Chick. Chick. Oh, Jack Chick? I have no idea. I, did, now, have I told you the story about yes. Cal State Long Beach? Yes. Go ahead and say it again because there's people that okay. are going to Well, now they're going to want to know. Actually, I actually think that you are right because at the time we talked about it, we worked it out and you're like, hmm. 
There's one photograph in existence of Jack Chick. Right. Yeah. Only? Only one. He, he Total recluse weirdo. Uh. Because cameras steal your soul. Oh. And if you and don't... his soul was pledged to Jesus. To Jesus. And he lives in this well, area. Well, no, because there's one photo. And he, so. li- and he lived in this area. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Jack his Chick, soul is stuck on a website somewhere. <laughs> Jack Chick Publications, for a time, was based in either <clears throat> Alhambra mm-hmm. or... I think it was Alhambra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, it ended up moving to like Rancho Cucamonga, which is where it is now. If you want to go and order 10,000 copies of Dark Dungeons, you send a check to... Because I, I, I didn't order 10,000. I think I ordered 100. Because it, it had been out of print, but yeah. some, some jackass ordered 10,000 copies Jack chick ass. <laughs> I'm sure it was a gamer who ordered... Because you had to order like... It was, out of, amount, right. it was out of print, and if you ordered 10,000 copies... Then they would send it to They'd you, but if you, up, if, but you, yeah. if you if you ordered less than that, then they were like, "No, we're not going to do it." Yeah. So obviously, when some whoever it was ordered ten thousand copies, they probably printed an extra several thousand. So one day I went online and I ordered like fifty of them. I handed them out. I sent them to people. Mm-hmm. And stuff. You had happy checks to go. Yeah, but I have one. Yeah. <clears throat> but when I was in college in Cal State Long Beach, which is twenty miles south of of Alhambra, if that. If, if that they there was a guy there was a, uh, two or three guys who used to hand out Jack Chick tracks when I was in college in the dorms no I'd be walking along because I worked in the library so like I'd walk songs? no no they're like little books oh. they're like these little you call it up you look at it there's like these weird you've like, never seen them they were, they were like eight no, inches I've seen, long I've you, seen I pictures see, of them but the I don't, little, I've never like, heard them called tracks that's yeah tracts oh. t-r-a-c-t-s oh, tracts but I they used to hand them out. Mm-hmm. And I actually got a copy of the Dark Dungeons one. And what I would do is I'd grab them before I'd go to the library to go work. I'd go into the bathroom. I'd take a crap and I'd read the thing. <laughs> and I'd leave it sitting on the toilet ta- toilet paper dispenser. And then I'd go to... I'd go Which to, is a go really to good place for it. Right? <laughs> I probably... I, if I had kept those things... I know. I right? probably I would know. have had... 50 bucks. No, 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 no money at all, at all. But I probably would have had it like forty or fifty different ones because he did a ton of them. Yeah, it was right? like every, every month did, there was a new one. He did one about how Catholics were going to. He's go very to, prolific. He did one about how union members are going to. His hate was really, really <laughs> distilled, and he would, and he was a pretty good artist. He, he did one about how Jews are going to go to prison. I, know. <laughs> I think I saw that one, and I've seen the one where. One of the girls is, becomes a witch because she started playing D and D. Yeah, that's, no, the that's, dark that's dark dungeons. Yeah, that's okay. dark dungeons. That's the he did the one on. about D and D, which mm-hmm. was the dark dungeons one. Which uh, what's the guy's name? Something Rawl, the guy that uh, did the movie, the Kickstarter, which I helped uh, fund. But anyway, I went online. A couple years ago, and found this one photo of Jack Chick, and I realized one of the guys handing out tra- Chick tracks at Cal State Long Beach when you were going there. I think was Jack Chick. I think you're right because that oh, really? was his hype. That was that because was, yeah. there was there's there. I remember there being three guys that hand out Chick tracks. One guy was young and he had a beard, and he carried an American flag. And he had a sign that would say like homosexuals, liberals, blah 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 are all going to hell. Oh, those people are outside Comic Con. They're outside of everything. I know. Yeah. In every university. Yeah. But and it wasn't that guy, because he was way too young. 
Then there was this old man who wore a fedora who never said a word to anyone except here's, if you took it, he would say thank you. Here's Jack Dick in high school. Okay, no, that's not the picture. There's young. a picture of him much older. That's too young. Yeah, there's a picture of him much older. School. I don't think they had cameras when he was young. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> that might be him, but there's a picture of oh, him here. pointing at someone else. Yeah. Let me see it. No. no. That's, nah. that's from his Wikipedia page. There's a, there's a picture of him pointing at some guy oh. he's standing next to. Oh, I just turned off my phone. Yeah, this is the one. That's it. That's okay. the picture. The third yeah. guy. So there's at least two photos. So he has no soul. The third guy who handed ah! out the third guy who handed out chick tracks looked exactly like that, mm-hmm. except sometimes he wore those wraparound old people glasses you get when you go to the optometrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had a straw, a, a wide brimmed like like a straw hat. He carried in a flag, and he would dance and sing. He'd sing songs about how much she loved Jesus. When you're a missionary, you got to wear those hats and, and then, then be out in the sun. And he would hand these things out. And I think that was Jack Chick. I, th- I don't think you're wrong. I really don't. Because, I mean, he, he's, he was only, very active at that he's point. only 15 or 20 miles away. Yeah, and we're talking late 80s. Yeah, he was. Yes, that was late the, 80s. That was like he was peaking at that point. Anyway, There's go another ahead. picture of him. Younger Those members are, uh, of the audience may have just said, Who now? Yeah, I'm actually glad him. for that. But seriously, who was that guy? That's, and so we've just, we just now covered went that. Over that. Some background for context. Oh. <laughs> From some wiki sources. Jack Thomas Chick, yada yada. I was an we American really cartoonist and publisher as well. Best knowers of evangelical fundamentalist Christian Chick Tracts with a T, which presents us a perspective of a variety of issues through uh, sequential art morality plays. Chick Tracts are short evangelical gospel tracts created and published by American publisher Jack Chick, although many of the Chick Tracts express views that are generally accepted with. Uh, that are generally accepted in Christian theology, several tracks have expressed controversial viewpoints. Most notably, Chick was known for his strong anti-Catholic views, not to mention anti-homosexuality, anti-evolution, and anti-role-playing. And the, only, cha- the only, chat room brings up the one about the guy that uh, that rapes his kid, but then it's all okay because he accepts Jesus. He's like, that one's horrifying. The last one is what I remember. Him you can do anything. Dark Dungeons. Dungeons. Mm-hmm. From old escapist article, Dark Dungeons is possibly the most widely distributed piece of anti-game propaganda in history of gaming. It was first produced by Chick Productions in 1984. That's right. During yeah. the heyday of the anti-RPG paranoia. Dark Dungeons touches many of the bases in the mid-80s anti-RPG paranoia. Many of the cliches, urban legends, are here. The dark, seductive lady who acts as DM for a group of younger players. The gamers who identify far too much with their characters and become deeply troubled when the character dies. The real spells contained in the books. The obsessive playing at the cost of a healthy social and spiritual life. The eventual induction into well, witches' covens. the social covens, life is right. And of yeah. course, <laughs> the inevitable suicide. Now you so much. Now you can learn the real magic, Debbie. <laughs> there is so much more. I remember that? But I'll leave it to ye old jackers to fill in the blanks. Yeah, I left. So yeah, the seductive lady as DM. You know that's not true. And there were so few lady DMs back then, especially. We've talked about this. It, like you used to be a unicorn, and now you're just oh yeah, another chick gamer. Yeah, but it used awesome. to be like you yeah. like would walk into the gaming stores and they like everything got quiet, mm-hmm. and now. That's because you're not leading a witch's coven. Uh, if you'd have been leading a witch's coven, yeah, then... then it's not to say you're not a unicorn. I'm d- I didn't mean that. I'm no, just okay. saying that... Yeah, I know what you meant. The, a lot of things have changed. Things like, that aren't the, supposed to exist. In five years since we've been doing this, it's Yeah, crazy. seven. Almost eight now. All right. 
Let me get my walker. Really? I'll figure this out. Oh, so yeah, he's dead, and you know, my first response was, "Great, fuck that guy." Speaking for myself, Jack had no small hand in making my life uncomfortable and occasionally hellish. Among my family and even some friends who I lost because their parents did not want kids watching that or catching the Satanism. <laughs> oh God! In general, the catching the Satanism. In general, he made my life more difficult. Remember your mic. More in life, more difficult for a subculture of people who were already bullied and mocked for their interests. He made us even larger and easier targets. That guy was a twat. Yeah. I completely agree with you. But you know what? I took a deep breath or two and came up with this. We won. We're still here. We proved that Jack and so many others had no clue and proved the media hysterics were just jumping to unfounded conclusions so rare for the media. In time, RPGs flourished and took their place with the rise of geek culture. It is, I'd argue, one of the pillars of that culture. One could argue that RPGs hold a reverent place in that culture even. These days, we see just RPGs inducted into the something. That's right. It was, yeah, it's right. That, that, I'm sure that has so you know. Backed. Yeah, it was on an article on the internet. Thank you. I came in and I was like, "Hey, did you hear about that?" They're both like, "I, you're." I, I was watching. I, I was part I'm of so it. much of a. Cynic. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I'm so much of a cynic. I figure Hasbro backed it, and they own D and D. Probably. <laughs> These <laughs> days, we see RPGs casually on TVs, movies, mentioned in books and other media. No one bats an eye or even cares really. Celebrities and even just regular folks will drop RPG references in conversation or outright say, I play D&D! With capitals, mind you. Uh, you don't have to whisper that you're a gamer out of fear of being socially ostracized. I mean, there are freak and geek posers now. What the fuck, right? People who pretend to be geeks because they want to be cool? I don't know if that's I true. just can't even. I don't know if that's true. Heck, I even met third-generation gamers, and to them, there was never a stigma to role-playing. Well, no more than the rest of geek culture, but uh, which is which has had a very little stigma these days, I'd say. So, after thinking through the history of it all, I really don't have time or inclination to hold hate in my heart for Jack. Or more correctly, I'm not going to waste my time dwelling on him. Another ignorant dinosaur is past. I'm not going to celebrate it. I'm not going to lament it. I'm going to go roleplay with my friends. Ken Kenjima23 on the forums. P.S. You probably hear this plenty, but to be one more voice in that chorus, thanks for all that you do. The podcast, the actual plays, just being generally cool, fun people, and the stuff <laughs> I left out, I'll stop gushing. Uh, I don't want your egos to get too big. Aww, too late. So I'll say this much. I no longer say... When people say, what are you doing this Friday night or this Sunday or whatever, I never say, I'm... Shuttling shit in Louisiana. I'm playing playing poker with my friends. Right? Yeah. I I don't say that anymore. Now I say, yeah, you know D&D? It's like that, but it's vampires. Yeah. Right. I actually say that now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I don't... Because it used to be, Uh what are you doing this weekend? I'm having a bunch of my friends over. Oh, yeah? What are you guys doing? Parcheesy. Poker. poker yeah, but the guys. Yahtzee. Monopoly. We're going to play games. Oh, yeah, you guys playing poker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what we're Texas doing. Texas Hold Them is a <laughs> poker game, right? That's a that's a thing. A poker thing. Right? That, right? That's, yeah. We've, we're going to bet chips and, and deal cards? Excellent. Uh... I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, uh, I I'm much more out than I used to be, but I'm still. I work with a bunch of construction workers, and there's they're basically talking about shooting their guns, what sports team won, or whatever. So I really just like, so what'd you do this weekend? 
I didn't shoot a gun. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch the game. Uh, but I, I, I played. Your, I, I played a game. Shooting range, if you want. That's all right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you're all. <laughs> you're all. I don't shoot guns, but I play games in which I do. Do <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they kind of look at me. Yeah. All right, and they move <clears> on. It's like I'm a painter. It's fine. You're creative, aren't you? Okay, that's fine. Right. So anyway, yeah, man, I was shooting. I spent like I spent like fifteen hundred dollars in ammo that day. Well, no wonder you guys are broke. Yeah, <laughs> they're shooting. It's like AR fifteen. They on automatic. And they're just no, I, it's, I have an AR fifteen. Their ammo's not that expensive. It is when you shoot a lot. I guess it, maybe it adds up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what happens when you pull the trigger well, and you don't you're... let go for hours. Well, and if you're paying for the range, and if maybe you're renting the gun, and then I... it's like twelve dollars to go to a range, and it's like. Uh, for reload ammo, it's like eighteen dollars for fifty rounds. Now, if you shoot a thousand rounds, okay, yeah. that's what they're doing. Maybe oh, that's yeah. insane. Oh yeah. Well, because it's competitions and they, it goes all day. You can't after you shoot that many rounds, you're gonna be able to hold the gun. It's gonna be so. Hard. I don't know what to tell you, Stu. They probably don't do it all at once. But they're there all day. <laughs> it's just one, one <laughs> massive unload of thousand rounds. Beers. Give me grew up with these kinds of people. You understand? No, they, they do that. <laughs> I know. We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to. <laughs> that's what the back of your pickup truck's for. <laughs> So, uh, uh, not, not to be guessing this anymore. So anyway, older. yeah, I, I still have to uh, be careful who I who I come out to. I don't. But, uh, for the most part, though, once I say, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm, I actually catch up with the podcast. Oh yeah, I host a podcast on gaming. Oh, gaming and poker? No, no, no. Yeah, it's oh, poker yeah, football? Yeah, 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 it's, uh, it's role playing games. Oh, oh, okay. You mean you mean like Risk? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Or, or, or they'll say, oh, you mean like Wow. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. And I usually just let them believe yeah, that's, that. That's yeah. almost nerdy that's enough. That's safe enough. <laughs> so I, I, I'm more no, safe. no, no. That's still too cool. Keep, yeah. keep go down a notch. And mostly, go I just, down a notch. right below Wow and right above Larping. There's there we are. <laughs> right, two steps above furries, right? Because Larping the yeah, the two furries above that. Larping. And you just let them believe what they want to believe because I just don't have the time to explain it. No. I really, I don't like. Just don't put me in a oh, locker see, room. I, right. If someone asks about it and they're interested, I'm. Oh, well, yeah. if they're interested, it's like I'm gonna. I, I, I'm per- testifying. Tell the gospel. <laughs> oh but yeah. Pre- Preach like, it, Brother Stu. Wait a Preach second. I, I got a tractor in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny, though, once you start talking and they're like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, I used to play that, too. You know, but, but, but when you start saying, well, it's kind of like theater improv, and all of a sudden they're like, really? But with dice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. See, we stork, you should, in all your spare time, you should make stork tracks that are like programming. <laughs> you totally should. And you can draw. You're the yeah. only one of us that can do that. Really well. Stork tracks. Yeah. Stork tracks. I love it. <laughs> Jack Stork. I just, I don't <laughs> have, stork. I don't have the passion that he does. I'm not right. going to stand outside You've ev- got evangelical hate. You have a dark handing hateful, them out yes, to no. people. have a dark, hateful but heart. We have social media. We don't need driven. to stand anywhere. I'm not going to stand outside. We'll write them for you. This is going here. Have you seen, have you embraced the Ooh. RPG gods? I'll get you some bread in the zone. No, no, no. We don't want to see it. Yes. You draw them, I will social media them. They will be huge. It'll be amazing. No. And you'll never see we'll, them because you're not on social media. We'll write them. You don't even have to write them. You just draw. We'll just, you can draw sounds. You will be super famous and have no Don't idea because you you're not on Twitter. Zwicked. Zwicked. Some are my favorite cartoonist, right? Yeah. For those of you out there who don't know what I'm talking about, go look up any Mad Magazine from the 70s, 80s, and maybe even the early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. He, he, could, he, he was rad. He was a... a, a Anamanapoa. Uh, Anamanapoet. Anamana Anamana yes. he, he truly was. I mean, uh, for example, the uh, the sound of a bottle bouncing off of someone's head goes doot 
The sound of a cork being pulled off a bottle is poot. Right. Guy was a genius. The sound of a girder hitting someone's head was clone. That's true. I know. It is. It's Don Martin. And there's actually a whole database for Don Martin sound effects. So uh, if you've learned nothing else today during this rambling podcast, there's a database for Don Martin sound effects sounds. I'm on a PS. Onomatopoeia. Is that onomatopoeia? Yeah. Or is it hidden? It is. No. It, it, well, it was like five, ten years ago when I looked it up last. But I want to make sure that everyone can give me a give me like this camera. Give, give me a close up because I want to make sure. I, I don't know if it'll work with my phone since, since it. There you go. Does that show up? Yeah, pretty well. Puppy, and go it, closer. Is it, Stu, it, Stu, Stu wrote it this and created this himself. You can't. You can't read what it says. I'm looking for the man who killed my paw. <laughs> He's got a little. And she has a kilt on her, her paw. paw. That's all, Stu. Right. He'll post it on the Happy Jacks I'll Instagram. post it on the Happy Jacks Instagram. Yeah. Stu That's is it. starting his own viral meme, so he wants all of you to retweet that. Or re- <laughs> I thought it was it. hysterical. It, it is hysterical. hysterical. The man, I'm looking for the man who killed Kilt my, my paw. paw. Where did you get the tiny kilt? It's, it's Photoshop. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can't Stu's, tell. Stu's been no. doing the whole Photoshop thing. I looked at it um, small on my phone. I thought maybe Allie had like a doll or something that had a kilt. I looked for something that, that mm-hmm. I could just put on her foot, but it was much easier just to Photoshop it in. It's just photoshopped it. Oh, I, it is. Yeah. It's like a full size kilt off of some dude. Oh, some dude. And I like took his arms off of the sides and copied <laughs> it over, and then stuck it on her Photoshop. foot. Photoshop. Yeah. I, it would have been impossible to put something on her and have her hold still. No, yeah. That's why. <clears throat> that's what I was super impressed with. I was like, what? And that picture's like a week old, and she's like twice as heavy as that. She's big, yeah. Sployd caught my 13th Warrior reference that you guys <laughs> What's 13th Warrior reference? I said, you can draw sounds? That's from 13th, 13th Warrior? I don't oh, remember that. That's As like the best Viking film I can think of, Dude, really. it's great. It's I the only good Viking film. I love the part where the little, uh, they're making fun of the horse, and then his horse is able to jump the right. thing, and they're just, I was like, oh the yeah. The dog can Air jump. blood, man. Yeah. I love the whole combat sequence where he goes through like eight shields, wearing the guy the down. The <laughs> What's that? I said I only remember the horse part of the movie. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and you were a horse girl at the time. That was awesome. I love that that sword makes sense. When you die. Can I give that to my daughter? Yeah. He grinds at the end. I think it takes a great sword and turns into a I, scimitar. I believe the, the greatest believe ones, the great, Crichton, Michael Crichton, Michael Crichton, yeah, originally Eaters, Eaters of, of the, the Dead, dead. Yeah. yeah, the greatest one throws the sword down. I cannot lift this. Grow stronger. <laughs> I love that. And I also love the fact that they had like full-on Scandinavian actors doing most yeah. of the Vikings. Yeah. Them. And it also has one of the best language learning scenes ever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, where they're all speaking like Norwegian and then slowly these words creep in. Yeah. And, and it, it's like a two or three minute scene. You probably find it on the Google. I don't even think it's, it's the, that long. It's the best like <clears throat> as time evolves how he learns to, to hear language. It's, yeah. it's you know, actually, you know, my, my favorite language transition scene is in The Hunt for Red October. Mm. When the commissar on the on the uh, on the submarine, he he like he, he he's snooping through the the captain's stuff, Captain Ramius's stuff, and he finds the Bible that belonged to his dead wife, and he opens it up and he starts reading a passage from the Bible in Russian. And as he's reading it, they zoom in on his mouth and he starts speaking English. And the rest of the film is in English from that point. Yeah, on. That, that was a yeah, fantastic really movie. good. Yeah. Anyway. Let's fly the commissar. Don't turn around. Uh oh. The commissar's in town. Uh oh. He's that guy died a long time ago, didn't he? Falco. I think he did. Falco. I think he was in a car accident or something. Oh, yeah. 
Because he was such like an influential artist. It, yeah, it took so many cars to actually hit him. It, it, <laughs> it eventually got rid of him. Thank God. That's terrible. It's awful. La, 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 la. Don't he also he also did uh, Amadeus <laughs> rock me Amadeus right yeah. Amadeus rock me Amadeus 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 which the only oh, good oh, thing oh, that oh, ever oh, came oh, out oh, of that song is that it it got taken by the Simpsons like Doctor Zayas Doctor Zayas Doctor Zayas so uh, okay I'll give him props for that thank thank God we got Doctor Zayas out of Falco from chimpanzee to chimpanzee i hate every monkey i see <laughs> that was that's one dr. of the funniest dr zayas dr zayas ooh dr zayas <laughs> all right are we done yeah oh we are oh okay well Thank you for joining us for Season 18, Episode 4 of Happy Jack's Herbage Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. Proby Tim. Start. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's for coffee. Join us early for coffee. For coffee. Unless you're living in Europe, and it's the middle of the night, you can get drunk. It can be Irish coffee. Yes. Or Swedish coffee. We also have Tuesday night, we have... Vast Dominions. Vast Dominions game on Tuesday. And, and every other week, there's also yours. Yeah, and this coming Thursday, we'll have Kurt on as our Happy Jack's Hot Seat guest. Excellent. Which Kurt? Kurt. Uh, Hannah? Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Are we saying last names? Do you say last names? Hannah. Yeah. Well, whatever. Well, you're gonna, yeah. They're going to learn it when they're coming on Thursday. His last name has been said on the podcast many times. Oh, okay. To differentiate him from the other two Kurt. 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 Yes. Well, thank you very much. We'll leave you with a song. Kurt A.
nothing could I see But a lady shift an apron which now belonged to me To me, silent the hour was eight o'clock i put my shift and apron on and headed for the dock the old man cried boy check me boy and sure i could have found a better suit than that by far to buy for 80 pounds to me is tougher than the other side of hell. To me, wait, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls can't dance the polka. To me, wait, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls can't dance the polka. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire.